Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 54 of the John Riley Project. It is... What's today's date? The June 5th, I think, right? June 5th. Yeah, Wednesday, June 5th. And I am so pleased to have as my guest today, Rory Herman. Rory, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Rory, I was so excited when you agreed to come on the podcast. You know, you're a Poway guy. You're a, an extraordinary athlete. You've got a great story to tell. And, you know, my podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you're a guy that's living the dream, you know, and, and I, I really want to just introduce the audience to you. And I have like a little bit of a bio here. So I'm just going to read from this. Uh, just so everyone here in, in you know, listening or watching can get to know Rory. Um, a 20 year old ice hockey star from Poway, California, a member of the 17 and under U.S. national team, um, has spent two plus seasons with the Green Bay Gamblers in the United States Hockey League, which is the top amateur league in the United States, um, where over the course of the, his time there, 12 goals, 15 assists, had a plus 11 ratio while he was on the ice. He's a forward, a scorer, um, finished up the season with the Fargo Force and is a D1 commit to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, or RPI, in Troy, New York, where he'll be uh, for this fall. So you'll be going to going to college this fall, playing D1 hockey um, in the northeastern United States. I mean, you're just right on track, uh, living the dream as a, as a hockey player, right? Definitely, man. I've uh, been very fortunate here to be a Powegian. 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 <laughs> Born and raised and having a good future here in hockey and really enjoying the process. Nice, nice. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about athletes that have come out of Poway. You know, there's been an extraordinary number of, of young male and female athletes that have gone on to success in a lot of sports. Basketball, football, baseball, golf, tennis. I think you might be the first significant hockey player to come out of Poway. Um, we're going to add you to that long list of great athletes that have come out of the city. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about how um, someone from Poway gets involved in hockey. You know, usually Poway and hockey don't typically go together. Well, starting hockey here in Poway was uh, not my first option. You know, I played a lot of sports when I was a kid. I played t-ball here, soccer, basketball, flag football, you know, golf, um, a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. We, my family, uh, you know, my dad, huge sports fan. He played rugby for 20 years, played varsity football at Mission Bay, you know, San Diego, local guy, born and raised. Um, good athlete. My mom from England, of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, had three brothers, all soccer players, and you know, a lot of her family eventually migrated here to San Diego, and that's how my parents met. And uh, you know, we have a pretty big uh, history in sports, I guess, in our family, an athletic background, but but none of us played hockey. Um, so starting hockey in San Diego, it, it all started when I went to the San Diego Goals game. When I was about five years old, nice. And uh, you know, I'd been to Padres games, I'd been to Chargers games. You know, I think they had the San Diego Soccer's at the time too. So, 
all those sports games were fun, but I mean, it was just one game, one hockey game I went to, and after just watching the pace of the play and how aggressive the sport was, I knew I had to play hockey. It was, right on. It was just like love at first sight, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, we continued to go to those games, and you know, I my dad kind of saw the passion I had, and my mom, and they. We all love going to the games, like a family atmosphere, you know, it's just great games. Um, so eventually, looked at my dad said, you know, I, I want to play hockey. And right away, he was like, okay. You know, just like with all the other sports I'd kind of been thrown into, I, you know, I told my dad, you know, this is a sport I'd like to try and totally supported me and both parents. And uh, right then we... Went over, played against sports, picked up the gear. That's and, like used uh, gear, right there. Yeah, typically, used gear. you know, it's, yeah. uh, we weren't we we weren't really too familiar with the game of hockey. Yeah. So, yeah, there's not many hockey places here. And I mean, to be honest, I think played again was the only place that really had athletic hockey gear, and the majority of it was used gear. So we went in there, picked up all the materials we needed, and uh, started playing roller hockey first over at a rink that was located in Poway on uh, on Community. Mm-hmm. Um, the rink's not there anymore. It was, yeah, it's it, up in the it, business park, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it was there for my first year, but that was the first rink I started playing hockey on, and, and it was all roller hockey at the time. So I started playing, kept going, just loved it. And like I said, that rink kind of got transitioned into an indoor soccer field. Um, so from there, from starting skating roller hockey in Poway, we traveled up to Escondido and uh, played roller hockey in Kit Carson and played about three years there. And, and that's – I've been to the one at Kit Carson. I mean that, that – actually the whole park's cool. they got a skate park there. And then is it one or two um, hockey arenas? They have two full-ice hockey arenas there. Uh, with sport court instead of concrete. So it's a really nice setup. That's kind of like a smooth plastic, right? Yeah, it's a smooth plastic, almost what you'd see on a, like a, kind of like one of those basketball courts that aren't concrete. They're like a, it's just like a sporting plastic material. Yeah. That I'd say the majority of roller hockey is played on because the way the wheels grip, it's just more yeah. beneficial than and it's concrete. it's smooth, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. it's perfect for, for, yeah, skating. Yep, no bumps or anything yeah. on that thing. Right on. So I played there for three years, and it was all strict roller hockey and continued to go to the goals games, you know, every weekend with my mom, you dad, know, I just want to talk sister. about the goals for a second because it is a great family environment. Oh, yeah. You know, so I went to my first goals game last year. Friends of mine invited, you know, my son Trevor and I, we went with um, Jeff and DJ Ackley, some other Poway folks here. And, I, I mean, I was amazed at how into it the fans of the gulls are i mean half the people were wearing gulls gear Mm -hmm. you could tell a lot of them were season ticket holders and it was you know mom and dad and two kids and yeah total family environment and you're like up close against the glass you really feel that action yeah it was a great experience so i can understand you as a as a young kid going there and really getting hooked you know yeah yeah I, i get it Watching live hockey is is like no other sporting experience. The game's so fast, but um, you know we had season tickets that were right on the glass, 
and they were right next to the visitors' bench. So, I mean, the visitors, they would come off the ice, and we were giving it to them, banging just, on the glass. <laughs> yeah. You know, my dad was freaking banging on the glass. My yeah. mom, we were all screaming. Everybody was having a good time. My sister was having a good time. So, yeah, it's easy to get into a sport when, you, when you know, it's it's like right there. Uh-huh. You know, we were, we were there, and... You know, I, I just loved it. Now, when you're behind the visitors' bench, do you um, do you ever hear the players talking amongst themselves? Yeah, you could it, hear pretty much, or, or the coaches. It, it, it's tough to hear between the glass because it's not like they're screaming at each other. It's you know, it's pretty normal tone on the bench, but. Um, you know, you can pick apart some things. You can look into their bench and see certain, you know, body language of players, certain mm-hmm. tactics that they'd use. And, uh, you know, it was all stuff when I was a kid. I was just looking at, like, mesmerized. Like, what are they doing over there? What yeah, are they doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's awesome. Remember, pucks would get thrown into the bench or sticks would break, and the trainers from the other team would always toss the pucks and sticks over to me. And, nice. You know, I was, started collecting all the pucks from different teams coming into town cool that's good really enjoyed it so you're playing hockey you're how old were you when you were playing up at kit carson at this time i played you know i started when i was about five years old i think i played in kit carson up until i was eight or nine okay and you know after playing three years of ice or roll excuse me roller Mm -hmm. um and watching the goals you know i was like I think it was about nine years old when I was like, Dad, you know, I really want to play ice hockey. (laughs) I really want to get into ice hockey, you know, just like the goals players out there. Same thing happened, you know, right over to play again, sports again. You know, picked up the the needed ice materials, a little bit different than the roller hockey gear, but, uh, you know, the skates, obviously. But, uh, but but even like the 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 pads and yeah. the gloves are a little bit different. Yeah, you know the gloves are the same, but in roller hockey it's a little bit less protection because there's no contact. Uh, um, okay. Plus you're not going at like ice hockey is more stop and start. Roller hockey you're just just smooth riding. You know you're rolling around out there having a good time. Ice is a little bit more intense of a game, so the butt pads are a little bit different. Like the like the stuff that will go around your waist and stuff. The shoulder pads. I think we got a little, some new, better elbow pads. Yeah. Helmet and gloves and stick were pretty normal. Same thing. Okay. That makes sense. And then the skates. We had to get a new pair of ice skates from Play Again. So, yeah, we uh, got all the gear and went right over to SDIA, San Diego Ice Arena, and Mir Mesa, and, you know, just jumped on. Just right got on. into it. My kids learned to ice skate there. And it was, I remember going there when they were little, and they had these like a walker, you mm-hmm. know, that, that a senior citizen would use. But, yeah, yeah. But that's how they taught him how to skate, you know? Yeah, no, it's a simple, like, you know, the thing with ice skating, it's all about balance. So, I mean, you don't want to go out there and just be falling all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I remember skating for the first couple of times. I didn't have to use one of those, thank, thank God. Yeah, you know, well, because you, you were a, an accomplished roller skater, right? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't yeah. too different mm-hmm. than... Roller hockey. I think the only thing that gave me a challenge was was stopping, and uh, it was it's just like in roller hockey, the stopping was so different than ice hockey that if you tried to translate stopping how you would in roller hockey to ice hockey, it just it just wouldn't work. Right. So I mean, my first year of ice hockey it was 
it was all stopping. You know, I had the shooting down. I had the stick handling down. Skating wasn't a problem. It was just, you know, I remember getting off the ice going like 100 miles per hour, and I couldn't stop. And the coach was like, oh, my gosh, is he is he just going to run to the boards here? And, I mean, it was so funny. People thought they were going to lose toes on the bench. I was like, oh, God. So after a year, I eventually learned to stop and, you know, well, I, helped I had, a lot. I have, I'm going to share my goofy experience. When I was young, I used to go to the roller skate arena. Okay. Okay. That was a thing like back in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember we went to try ice skating and I had the same problem. I couldn't stop, you know, at least on the <laughs> roller skates back in the day, they had like a little rubber thing that you could lean forward. Yeah. 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 Um, but in ice skating, there wasn't. And so they said, well, you could use like a figure skaters ice skating because they had like the little notches on mm-hmm. the front of the blade. And so I did that and that helped me a little bit. Yeah. But I'd always kind of felt weird. Like I should be using hockey skates. You yeah. Know? yeah no, but, but stopping is really a technique more so than a device on your skate. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after getting into ice hockey, you know, the transition, like I said, wasn't too difficult. And Coaches saw that, and they liked the skill I had and what I'd gained from my roller hockey. And, I mean, only after a year of playing, I think, actually only about half a year of going to the Learn to Skates there at SDIA, coach came up to me and was like, hey, you should should play on our Might Be Travel Hockey team. Nice. I was like, okay. So, you know, jumped on that team, was fortunate enough that the uh, the coach was actually an ex-goals player and coach right on uh, martin sanamore and so yeah he was my first hockey coach now was he one of the players that you were watching when you were five years old at the sports arena he he had stopped playing like right as i began watching but his first i think his first taste of coaching was one of the first seasons that i had been watching the goals so he was behind the bench one when we were going to the games cool so yeah. yeah, so now he's your coach. I mean, that must yeah, have been a fir- thrill. First coach was a pro level hockey coach, and I was lucky. His son MJ was the same age as as me, and we were on the same team. So you know, he he was really into it, and he had a big influence on my hockey career just right out of the gate. Um, so I enjoyed playing my first season of Might Be for Coach Martin Santa Moore. Nice. Yeah, it was great. And that was when you were eight years old. Mites, I think Mites is around nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the levels of hockey are pretty different than most sports. Um, so it's similar, though. Like, they got 10U and 12, under 12 and under 14, I think it is. So Mites was, I would like to say Mites was 10U. Okay. So, yeah, about nine years old at the time. I might have been 10, actually. So we played that there, and that was pretty much my first experience of being on like a legit ice hockey team. And you know, we would just play tournaments. So we would travel up to Anaheim and LA, and you know, play Labor Day tournaments, Thanksgiving, Christmas tournaments. You know, um, you know, all the holidays usually had a tournament. Um, some some of the tournaments were in Phoenix. I think we had a couple couple that year that were in phoenix and those were fun drive over with the family yeah yeah get to stay in the hotels and 
kids were playing mini sticks all in the in the hallways hotel <laughs> we had kids running around all the time the hotels hated us man it was so funny it was so much fun and those are great memories oh great memories in the hotels you know mm-hmm. at a young age but yeah yeah you could probably play hockey in the hallway of a hotel yeah, we had these mini hockey sticks, and they were plastic and mini nets. They were only about three by three, and uh, you'd get on your knees and on the carpet and play like two v two, and <laughs> and have teams. And you're, you're like throwing bodies into each other on like the hotel hotel walls. <laughs> so there's like people like in the room right oh, yeah. there. Oh, you're there's compla- the complaints all the time <laughs> for that. But no, the tournaments were fun. Is you know, big part of the hockey growing up here is you know those first couple of years. I just we had so much fun on those tournaments, and and starting with roller hockey, I had so much fun playing. It, it really, you know, the passion itself grew purely from the enjoyment I was getting out of the sport. And uh, you know, so from might be hockey, you know, we finished that year and moved to Squirt A the next year. And uh, actually, Martin was our assistant coach that year. It was at SDIA for the Oilers. And that year, we had gone to Quebec. So we played our first tournament in Canada. Jeez, you're already traveling internationally, and you're like yeah. 10 or 11 years old? That was our first year of squirts. Oh, right on, man. The Mesquiri tournament. It's a really famous tournament, actually. There's a couple tournaments up in Quebec that are that are very famous. And, and I actually was able to play in both of them. So that year it was the the Squirtay Mesquiri tournament in Quebec was the big thing, and then after my first year of Squirts for the Oilers, I had moved to Escondido to play for the San Diego Junior Goals Squirtay team. And at the time, you know, there was a lot of young players in San Diego that, you know were interested in moving up to the goals because they had a a little bit better of a travel program at the time. And uh, I was one of those players. And after moving and getting that experience, um, it just kind of propelled my career because I was at a new rank. You know, kids were a little bit more into the hockey there. And I, I played my second year squirts for them. And then after squirts, I played my my first year of peewee hockey, peewee A, and this is this was probably like the start of like my you know realization that hockey is a pretty serious sport. It was like our first year of contact hockey, and like I said, I'd moved up to the San Diego Junior Goals, and uh, some of the good kids from from my squirt team had moved up to the peewee A level then, and at SDIA. So we created like a a little bit of a rivalry, like cross freeway rivalry. Nice. So between the goals and the uh, San Diego Ice Arena Oilers. So like kings and ducks, right? Like kings and ducks. Yeah, Yeah. this is heated hockey that year. And we played eight times in the regular season, split four four games each. And uh, then the way the the playoffs work in California hockey is they have – SCAHA, which stands for Southern California Amateur Hockey Association. Mm-hmm. So we they take, I think, the top four, yeah, top four teams from the Southern California and then the top four teams from the Northern California. And then they do uh, CAHA, which is just California Amateur Hockey Association. Right. Pretty much, this is the state championship. Yeah. So we had made out of, or yeah, we had made it out of SCAHA along with the Oilers. 
So, so, so you're the Gulls. We're the junior Gulls, yeah. Okay, and then the Oilers are from? From uh, SDIA. SDIA, okay. So, yeah, we the junior Gulls and, and the Oilers, San Diego Ice Arena Oilers, we both made it out of Southern California, and uh, we were we were the dominant teams, and I think we both knew that we were going to be the dominant teams in, in the you know the whole state championship tournament, and they had us placed in the first round robin game against each other, and I just remember the Oilers beating us in like pretty good fashion. I think it was like eight three or eight two or something. That was a we were like, yeah, we got whooped first game. <laughs> we're like, what the heck? Yeah. So then we uh, we ended up winning out round robin, and they won out too and made playoffs and won our semifinal. They won their semifinal and uh, met in the championship for the for the first time being in the state championship. And, oh, right on! And we've beat them. It was like five three close game. It was a real good game, five three or something. And we won our first state championship um, that year. So I, that was a really enjoyable year. Well, yeah, I mean, especially not, not only beating your rival in the final after losing in the round robin, yeah. but then it's like San Diego. So they're your rival, but they're your friends, right? Oh, and yeah, You, you yeah. know them, and you've got relationships. It was heated at the time. And I'm going to be honest with you. It stayed heated for a couple years after. <laughs> they wanted to win that game just as much as we did. And so but how old were you again at this we were, point? I think we were about 12, 12 yeah. at that point. But, but see, isn't that cool? I mean, these are like wonderful lifetime experiences you're never going to forget that oh no and 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 you need to just hold on to that memory yeah. and share the story uh, because that's that's great stuff right there yeah no it was it was fun man that's when the hockey got serious yeah. and i could kind of tell you know and and based on that rivalry it, it kind of gave you a little bit of juice as a player you know something mm-hmm. you, it's not you're playing for something at that point. You're playing to beat that team, you know, and you're playing for the state championship. Yeah. So it was a good year, a really good huge. year. Where, where was the tournament held? Do you remember? It's San Jose. Okay, and the, and the Shark Tank. It was, you know, the Shark Tank was across, it was at the Sharks Practice Arena. Okay. So, I mean, it was just down the road from, from the Shark Tank, the SAP Center. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's a beautiful rink. They got three sheets of ice at the practice facility up there in San Jose. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we had a lot of tournaments up there throughout the years and a lot of select camps and, um, you know, just a beautiful rank. Nice. Well, I know the people in San Jose love their Sharks, man. Oh, yeah. yeah they're oh, hardcore. Yeah. They got a great team up there right now, so yeah. they have every right to. Um, but then after my first year of Peewees, we went on to my second year of Peewees and played Peewee AA for the junior goals. And I think similar year, pretty Pretty good hockey. Um, just honed my skills and worked on a lot of things as a player and a person. Had great teammates that year. And then we ended up losing in the state championship that year. So I was a little bit bummed about that. They were probably gunning for you, though, weren't, weren't they? That year we lost to the L.A. Junior Kings team because ah. the, the Oilers didn't have a double-A team. So the way the hockey system works is you got your your mites through midgets is what they there's like names you know 10u through i think 18u hockey Mm -hmm. but uh there's levels of of hockey through each age group so there's single a then there's double a then there's triple a so there we didn't really didn't have any triple a hockey in san diego when i was playing here um i think the highest level was double a and that year we had 
a double A team at the junior goals at the peewee level and that's the team that's the team I was on. So it was a good year and then then after my second year peewees we moved on to Bantam double A for the junior goals and this was a really good year because we had a coach that just had played in the NHL and, and wow. ex NHL player, yeah, and ex uh, Division One ice hockey player for the University of Notre Dame. Okay, so played, that's big time. Yeah, four years for the Fighting Irish, and he played for that national development program team, and he also played in Green Bay oh, for right the Gamblers. Nice. Funny enough, so yeah, I was it's kind of weird how our paths crossed at such a young age for me. And I was able to, you know, learn a lot from him. And he he was a great coach because he taught me a lot, you know, outside of practice. We would do private lessons. So it was a good opportunity to have, like, a, a skills coach and a skating coach. You know, players in the NHL and at Division One hockey and even high-level junior are so fast and so skilled that, Having him as a mentor and having him teach me, you know, what I what I was pretty much what I should have expect or should expect in the future of high level hockey. He he had the, you know, the drills and and the practice materials that he could give our team and our players, you know, to kind of host like first first level pro level practices. Considering you know he had that experience in his playing career. So yeah, Noah Babin. I mean, that is so great to have a coach at a high level mm-hmm. that when you're young, because not only can they teach you the physical skills you need to be successful, but they probably are coaching you up mentally and teach, yeah. teaching you how to win. Yeah, you know, you go through a lot of things in a hockey career and. and Especially mentally, because it's it's a physical sport, so kids can get thrusted out of it because because of the physical nature of the sport. But you know, he he was a good coach. He always pushed you to be your very best. Right on. So after after that, that was that was when I was going to school at St. Michael's. So St. Michael's, I went to school here in Poway. Was kindergarten through eighth grade, and the majority of my youth hockey that I played up until Bantam AA. I was at St. Michael's, so I didn't have to commute or anything. It was just going up to the rink in Escondido and back. But after eighth grade and after my first year of Bantam AA hockey, um, I had to make the, the move to L.A. So freshman year of high school, I was going to Poway and playing hockey for the Bantam AAA team in L.A., the L.A. Junior Kings. So, yeah. So, now th- this is this is interesting. So, if you're playing for a team up in LA and you're going to school in Poway, I mean, how did that work? So, pretty much right out of the gate, we kind of figured this was going to happen as a family. You know, San Diego hockey was good, but it didn't have that that AAA high caliber level that I had kind of gotten to. Mm-hmm. And we knew that Going up to L.A. was going to be in question for the next season. And being that it was my freshman year of high school, we were like, oh, my gosh, what, what's going on here? And all my buddies from St. Michael's were going to their, their you know, next schools, St. Augustine's, you know, the, the all-boys school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
OLP was the all-girls school, and then a lot of them went to Cathedral Catholic. Right. So I think 95% of all my friends went there. I was like, oh, God. Like, all my buddies are going here, and I'm pretty much, I can't go to those schools. So they're too far, and if I'm going to be commuting to L.A., it's just it's just not going to be something I can do. Right. So I went to Poway High School here, and, uh, you know, with us having to travel up to L.A., I, I had to talk to Mr. Garrett, Principal Ron Garrett right there on. at Poway High School. Love Ron Garrett. Yeah. The I, double fist pump Ron <laughs> Garrett, man. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote him a nice letter and, and kind of said what the situation in my hockey career was and how I how I needed to go to Poway High School in order to propel my career. And, and us driving up to L.A. and back wasn't, you know, it was something that we had to do, and and he met with me or my family and myself, and was like, "We can t- totally work with you here, you know, go to school." Oh, so awesome! Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. I mean, you could imagine it being the opposite, where a principal would say, "Hey man, we run a tight ship here. You can't get away with this." Yeah, you yeah. Know? But instead, he was accommodating and understood your situation. Was willing to be flexible. Ah, you love seeing that from uh, from you know not just teachers but from principals. That's great. Believe me, I was you know I was a little bit surprised, but at the same time, he totally understood what we needed to do, and and we kind of showed him what the schedule was going to be like that year playing for the Junior Kings. I think we had like eight tournaments out of state, so I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to miss a lot of school this yeah, year. Yeah, he's like, as long as you work hard and you work with your teachers, you know, we'll take care of you here. I'll never forget that. It was a real good guy move from him. And, you know, it was tough, though. Going to going to high school in Poway and playing hockey in L.A. is, you know, it's not easy. We were, no. we were driving driving up to Lakewood, so just just by Long Beach. Yeah. And uh, we were having to drive up there Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sundays, along with the tournament schedules that were at least once or twice a month. And those were even those were somewhere beyond LA. Yeah, I think we had two tournaments in Canada that year, a bunch in Chicago, one in Phoenix, um, some games in San Jose. I think we had to fly up to San Jose a couple times just to play just a couple games in yeah. San Jose. Yeah. Against the Junior Sharks team. But yeah, I remember, you know, first day of school and you know, last day of school between that time period, I'd missed probably sixty days. And, wow, uh, that's that's like three months, <laughs> right? Because you figure there's about roughly twenty school days in a month, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's like three months of school out of how many? Six, nine, like nine to ten months. Yeah, that's it was, a lot. It was tough. I I had to grind. You know, I I really kind of figured it out. I I knew that I could get away with taking my my history and my English class and my Spanish class, you know, in the car and writing all the homework for that or doing essays. But it was, you know, the things I struggled with the most was, were the math and the science classes. You know, you, you'd be in math class one day and, you know, you learn one part of a of an equation and then miss like a Tuesday class or, or miss like a Wednesday class. And next thing you know, you're coming in the next day, you know, after missing classes and you know seeing the equation on the board and it's longer there's letters thrown in and you're like what the (laughs) yeah (laughs) where did this come from yeah well like like you said with history or english you can read on your own time yeah um you can uh 
take advantage of certain exercises on your own. But sometimes math, man, that's like a foreign language. Math was tough, but yeah. you know, my teacher, my teacher worked with me quite a bit. His his name was Mr. Crane, and I remember at the time playing for the Junior Kings and doing this for schooling. I would go in uh, at like six thirty, you know, an hour before school. Right, I'd just go right to his classroom and and. You know, I'd be like, okay, what did I miss? Like, what do I need to know here for the test? And he'd work with me on the board, you know, almost like one-on-one. And, you know, he'd, he'd offered that as a teacher to everybody, but but I totally took full advantage of it and was there almost every day at 6 a.m. or 6.30, just, just sitting outside his classroom waiting for him so I could I could keep up with my, my math. And I, I mean, big that, that's thanks awesome. to him. Yeah, that's awesome on many levels. Number one, you got a teacher that's making himself available to work with students an hour before school starts. Yeah. So he's providing that support and that assistance. Number two, he's made that available to everybody, but mm-hmm. most people don't take advantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. most people didn't need to because they were in the classroom. But it's like, but you, still, some kids still, didn't miss class. So, but still, there's kids that could have used the, you know bump a C up to a B, a B to an A, get a little yeah. help. But you were focused on your goal. Yeah, you were focused on playing hockey and getting through school with good grades, and you just had to figure out a way. Yeah, were, whatever it took, you did it. Yeah, I, I mean math. Like I said, math and sciences were, were the two bugaboos for me when it came to travel, playing travel hockey yeah, and having to maintain good grades. So, I mean, the math, yeah, I had to go in quite a bit just to just to get that help. And I just can't thank Mr. Crane enough right for helping me. And right on. It says a lot about Poway High School and the teachers that they have there because, I mean, it was not only math I was, I was having to do was, uh, I think, freshman year I was doing biology and I was having to stay after school for biology. <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, I w- biology, a lot of it was labs, you yeah. know, and you'd be in a group of four doing a lab in the classroom. And if you missed that, you know, big portion of your grade was, was based on how you did the, did in those labs. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to go into class, you know, for biology or after class, after the school day was over to Mr. Crispiel's class and, you know, grind out labs one-on-one with him. And I was like, you know, there was big labs that he had to help me with. And Were you like dissecting frogs and the whole thing? God, I can't remember. We did. A lot of the stuff we did was with the microscope that year. Yeah. One of those, you know, looking at certain atoms. I remember we had to bring pond water in one time and look at cool. like the certain life in the pond water and like petri dish stuff so yeah, right on it was fun and i i mean i remember taking my first semester's final i'd missed the first semester's final so i, I wasn't in class for the final and i mean that's like a <laughs> that's like a big thing for most students well, you missed the final well yeah so what did you do so i t- i talked to him i told him i was like hey i'm not gonna be here for the final and he was like you know we understand your situation and, and it was the next week came around and I took the final after class with him. I mean, I was in his classroom for for like two hours just grinding out the final. I mean, he stayed there the whole time, didn't didn't really speak too much on it. So awesome. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely yeah. amazing. That, and again, tip of the hat to the teachers there, man. They yeah, did a yeah. really good job for you. Oh, no. He, he helped me out a lot. Oh, look who's known as visiting again. <laughs> 
math going on. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I mean, math, yeah, math and biology that year were, were tough, but the teachers, they helped me quite a bit. And I'm, I remember my last semester, I was sitting on a C in biology, and I had missed a big portion of school during my last semester because we had a lot of big tournaments. And I remember looking through my progress report on the computer and, you know, I had to print that out. And I highlighted all the missing assignments I had. And I took them to Mr. Crispy. I said, okay, can, you know, do you have, I had a few of the, you know, the forms and folders and stuff, but the majority of them that I weren't there or I wasn't there for, I was like, do you have these pieces of paper? Do you have these projects? And he gave me all the projects and I was like, okay, if he's like, if you turn all these into me, you know, I can grade them for you and it'll bring your grade up. So I, I, mean, I remember sitting for like a week straight, just grinding out 20 assignments of biology. Oh my God. And I walked, walked into the final with a C, handed them all into him and he gave me an A on all of them. And I, uh, I remember it boosted my grade up to like, I think it was like a 95 or something and it was enough for me to take the final and maintain my a and right on so i ended up getting an a in biology that semester and i was i was really happy that mr chris Beals worked with me right on yeah and, and again some teachers can be you know hard asses about this sort of thing they, oh, could, yeah. they could say no you weren't here you're you can't make it up you know yeah no but, but they were flexible they worked with you yeah, and I've got to believe here in Poway, you know, there, there are other kids that are in situations, not hockey, but maybe some other thing in their life Yeah, that prevents them from being a traditional student. Mm-hmm. And so good for them for being flexible and accommodating. I mean, it, I, it helped me so much. And, you know, like you said, there's probably a lot of kids out there that maybe not sports or a hockey situation – Per se, but you know, maybe they have to go to work every day, you know, or something like or maybe that. Maybe they got sick, or I mean, it yeah. could be anything, you know. Yeah, it really could. And uh, you know, it says a lot about the teachers at Poway High. Cool. Um, but yeah, no, that year was was pretty tough. Still, not only the schooling, but just driving up to LA. I mean, it was it was my first year of doing that drive, and and I my mom did the majority of the driving. And, I mean, it was it was like. Close to two hours there and back. This is like four hours of driving, you know, two to three times a week for my mom. And my dad would, you know, pick up the rest when he wasn't working. But, I mean, it was And then plus your practice is how long? Like two I hours? I mean, we would start. Maybe three, right? I would go and do like a lesson or something with the coach before just to make sure I got the most out of the drive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, practices, I think practices would end around nine and we'd get home like 11 o'clock, midnight some nights, you know, after getting some food or maybe even hitting traffic from construction or something. Oh, so we were, yeah, hey, it's okay to do every <laughs> once in a while. You got to do it three, four times a week. Yeah, we were getting up, we were getting up at like seven the next morning. I mean, I remember some mornings I'd get up at like five and have to finish some homework. <laughs> and that's really hard. I mean, think about it. A teenage, you know, boy, you're growing. They always talk about how teenagers need more sleep, and, yeah, and yeah. you're getting squeezed on both ends. Oh no, I I grinded through that, but yeah, 
you know, my mom, man, I mean, it was, it's tough. Like driving two hours there and back is, it's not easy, especially if you're the only one driving, you have to stay awake that whole time. It's dark out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Driving up to LA is like, it's dangerous drives, you know, freeways are packed and, you know, it's just a lot of people on the road and, uh, you know, huge, huge kudos to my my mom and dad for for doing that. Yeah, it's, it's gigantic. It's yeah. huge. It's it's absolutely bizarre that they sacrificed that much and and did that for me. Well, you're, um, you're fortunate they had the ability to do it. But even if parents don't have the ability, sometimes some parents. I mean, it just takes up so much of a parent's it's, time. It's tough. Like it, it was. But that's how much they love you. Yeah, and how much they support you. you Believe me, I yeah, I can't repay my mom enough <laughs> for what she did and yeah. my dad throughout my hockey career. But that's right that's on. definitely the biggest sacrifice that they made. And uh, I mean, that team alone, though they, I mean, it was a good team that year. We, my first year playing AAA hockey, and uh, we had kids on that team that are going to be playing in the NHL, you know, kids that are playing Division One ice hockey now, kids that play in the same junior league that I did, and kids that are playing major junior up in Canada. I mean, we probably, out of that team, I think we had close to close to eight or nine guys that, you know, did really, really, and are doing really, really well in their hockey careers to this day, uh, myself included. So... Wow. I mean, it was it was a great experience playing with that caliber of team. And I mean, it was like your first taste of just just pure hard practices against kids that were really 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 good yeah. hockey players. So now this is when it becomes really competitive. Yeah. A lot of focus. Um and um it's I mean, it's still fun, but it's not playground fun. It's oh no, it's yeah. it, it, it's serious stuff. I mean, yeah. you get into it and practice with mm-hmm. guys. You get mm-hmm. scrappy, and you know tournaments were were intense. You, I mean, remember that year we played a game. There was probably a hundred hundred scouts in the in the rink watching our game. And I was just thinking, like fourteen years old, and all these scouts are here to watch me play. It was very very cool. Yeah, right on. It was fun and. Uh, you know, then after that year playing for the LA Junior Kings, I had the opportunity to play prep school hockey in New Hampshire. And the way that worked was we we played when I was on the Junior Kings, we played a tournament back east in in the Boston area and there was a bunch of prep schools you know, coaches at the teams handing out pamphlets for their schools and, and, you know, their little business cards with their coaching information. And, you know, we'd collected some of those cards. And at the end of our Kings year, we didn't know what we were going to do, whether we would, were going to go back up to the Kings or, or whatnot. And uh, we decided to call a couple or I think we called three of those prep schools and, Two of them called us back and were like, yo, you, you guys missed the deadline by months to apply for this school. And we are like... Well, you're lucky they called you back. We I were mean, like, what the heck? Yeah. And then one coach called us back and said, you missed a deadline, but we can make this work. Cool. And uh, that was New Hampton school. So it's just like the Poway teachers. You're finding people that will work with you. Yeah, there's good people out there. Yeah, right and, on. And they, you know, I was very fortunate to... To have the experience I had at Poway, but just 
just based on the schooling alone and how hard it was for my mom driving. And I remember kids at school just looking at me saying, like, where's this kid going, like, every weekend? Like, I, I couldn't go to any of the football games. I couldn't really have, like, a true school life because of how busy I was. You know, I mean, lunchtimes, I was in teachers' classrooms just grinding out homework for the next class. So it was great at Powell. It was just so tough for, for me, though, as a hockey player. So making this move to prep school seemed like a really good option for my family and I. So the coach had called us and we'd send him we'd sent him footage just of, you know, one of the games I'd played during the year and he got back to us and was like, You guys kinda gotta get on the ball here and fill yeah. out all this stuff and we can try and get you in. Mm-hmm. We talked to all the admissions people there and we were able to get into the school and and that's when, yeah, my sophomore sophomore year of high school, I attended New Hampton School in New Hampton, New Hampshire. So from from Poway to New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire, I'm like thinking of it, it's, it's a tall, narrow state, mm-hmm. a little bit wider at the bottom and thinner at the top, I think, is it? And I Vermont, think, I think, is the opposite. Yeah, well, Vermont's a little know. wider <laughs> at the top and a little narrower at the bottom. So, what were you kind of near the Massachusetts border, or were you up near the Canadian border, or where was it? New Hampton was right in the middle of New Hampshire, so we were about two and a half hours from from Boston. Okay, and I'd say we're about two, close to. We were an hour from New from Manchester, where the local airport was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Yeah, pretty close to Massachusetts. A lot of my teammates and a lot of kids at the school were from Boston, from the Massachusetts area. Okay. So, I mean, New England itself is is all those states up in that northeast corner, and you know they're all New England fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, yeah, no, I was going cross map, and first time for me living alone. Yeah, and and you were just a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Most kids don't live alone until they go away to college. Yeah. You're doing it, what, at 15, 16 years old? 15. I was 15 at the time, and, you know, parents dropped me off first week of school, came around. I remember, you know, I was a sophomore, so I didn't come in with the normal freshman class. It was a year beyond them, and... You know, I met some of the kids that were at the school the year before and living in the dorm. And I remember my parents stayed for about a week after the school had started just to kind of, you know, check out, make sure I was good, you know. Yeah, they're leaving their baby, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. It was funny, though. I mean, I remember the coach looking at him and be like, come up to me like, boy, what's your mom still doing here? What's your dad still doing here? Like, tell me to go home. I was like, all right. And then they but left me. What was it for you? It must have been like a combination of excitement and maybe a little bit of anxiety or fear and the unknown, you know? You know, I think for me at that time, it was, it was all excitement. I didn't really have too much anxiety of, of leaving home. I, I figured it was going to happen eventually Yeah, as a hockey player with the aspirations and goals that I have and I had at the time. I knew leaving home wasn't out of question. So moving there was just another stepping stone for my career. And cool. I realized it and I took it like that. And my, my parents were the same. You know, my, my parents were sad, you know, leaving me more than, more than I was sad leaving them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going, that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm going <laughs> to spend time at a, a school yeah. where I'm going to be playing hockey, meeting friends and, you know, enjoying, enjoying that aspect of my, my life. life. 
So it was, it was great. I mean, it's funny, though, because the way the prep schools work is you know, if you're a sophomore, you have to play two sports. If you're a freshman, you got to play three sports. So they don't have they don't have PE classes there, and they're boarding schools. So they have pretty much all the normal sports that they'd have here. I think they had some more winter sports, obviously based on the weather there. Um, but yeah, we had to play two sports as a sophomore, and I remember my coach was telling me this, and he was like, "You should play soccer. You should play soccer." And I was like, "You know, all right, I'll play soccer." But I mean, I started playing soccer, and I was only like two games, and I was like, "I don't want to play soccer." I want to because <laughs> the, the other option you had, if you were a sophomore and you weren't going to play a sport in the fall, is you could, ah, uh, oh God, I forgot the name of it, but you could be, oh yeah, event management. You could do event management and weightlifting with the hockey guys. Okay. <laughs> so that management was was when you. You would set up all the other sporting events, or you'd work the camera for the other sporting yeah. events. And for some, for some students, that's like their thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had a bunch of hockey players doing like the offsides flags. <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually. So was your was your mom bumming that you weren't playing soccer because her whole family was she soccer was players. bumming. Yeah. she was bumming. But I was like, mom, like I want to play lacrosse with all the all the hockey guys because at the time, I, I mean, I didn't know what the hockey guys did. And it was after like a couple weeks of playing soccer that I realized that the hockey players were like not on the team with me. And they're like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? Like we all do event management and weightlifting in the fall. And then in the spring, we'll play like lacrosse or something. Lacrosse is huge up in that New England oh, area. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Really. I mean, we had a bunch of kids on my hockey team that played lacrosse and went D1. Like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like good players, dual sport athletes. So we did event management in the fall, and one of my funniest stories from doing event management was I mean, a, couple of my, a couple of my buddies I'm still really good friends with to this day, Thomas and Peter. There was the uh, playoff soccer game. The, no, it was the powder keg, which was like the huge school rivalry against uh, Tilton, which was just down the road. So like Poway RB. Yeah, right on. Okay. And what we did was we played all the fall sports against them in one day. And then you accumulate a certain amount of points for wins or ties. And the team with the most points takes home like this powdered keg thingy. It's like. Uh, I can't, it looks like just a round wooden keg of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's like an old timey trophy, kind almost of thing. like what you yeah. expect. Like you know, a little thing of gunpowder would be in, you uh, know, shipped from back in the day. Yeah, you know, right it was on. classic, classic trophy. So my buddy Thomas and my buddy Peter and myself, we came up with the idea that we would all do the videotaping for this women's varsity soccer game and it was the it was the last event of the day and both of the women's soccer teams from the schools were really good so what we did is we'd showed up in like full suits <laughs> okay good and we decided to do a halftime show oh brilliant so okay. it's a live broadcast and all the parents from both schools were probably watching this. <laughs> and we thought it would we thought we thought of it just as a joke just to do it. So we were filming the game and commentating the game and we're we're hockey guys, so we had no clue what was going on. Oh, we were man. like, Oh, oh she rattles one off the post using all <laughs> hockey terms. And we came up with the idea like a week earlier and we tried it with a field hockey game. And we just remember the the athletic director coming up to us, and we're like, "Oh God, we're we're in trouble, man! Like we're yeah. in trouble." And he came up to, he's like, 
I got like 10 emails from all the parents of how funny you guys were and, <laughs> and how you guys did such a good time. Because none of the event managers had done it before. None yeah. of them had like come up with the idea to commentate the game. Yeah, brilliant. So, that's, yeah, that's we awesome. carried that over to the big game, the big soccer game, and uh, we turned the camera around and did the halftime show. We just put, grabbed a soccer ball and like one of I was I think I was in the middle. I was holding the soccer ball and we were pretty much going over like the halftime, like yeah. what the first half was like. Then we yeah. flipped around to the rest of the game. And I remember, yeah, the athletic director came up to us like another week later saying like, you guys like yeah. killed it. Yeah, right and on. We had yeah, that's awesome. So many funny uh, emails from parents saying like how great the game was just because you guys commentating it. Yeah. You know? So that was like one of the fun things at prep school, you know, make, you made a lot of friends and you did a lot of other things mm-hmm. that were outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was, it was a great setup there. You lived in the dorms and uh, I had a Finnish roommate. So it was an international school. You know, we had kids from, I, I think we had another kid from Iran in our room. We had a kid from Japan, a kid from South Korea. Just wow. a bunch of different kids. Like, like the United Nations. Yeah, all all in one <laughs> dorm. No, we had a small dorm on the far end of school. So we were we were walking, you know, you walked everywhere. You know, you'd walk to the cafeteria, you'd walk to class. And it was nice in the fall. And then winter came around and you're like, oh my gosh. Like I gotta walk, I gotta walk to the cafeteria in this snowstorm. <laughs> now it's funny actually for a hockey player to be complaining about the cold. Oh yeah, but, but you're a Poway hockey player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got a lot. Of, I get a lot of grief for that. Still, it's like how are you handling the winter? I'm like, oh my gosh. But no, after the fall and all that took place, the hockey season came about, and uh, you know the the best thing about it was our rink, uh, the Merrill Lindsay Ice Arena had two walls so Wait, two walls two walls oh, so there's supposed to be four right it's supposed to be like a normal four wall <laughs> building with you know nice maybe heating in there but no two walls and the front end had a tarp and the back end was just open and in the back the rink kind of faced out towards like you know these trees and forests like this trail area so this is pretty interesting and i mean i tell you what that uh, the rink was so cold that you know practice days you'd have to put like vaseline and game days you have to put like vaseline on your fingers on your ears on your nose on your lips on your toes because like you couldn't even hold a hockey stick it was that cold oh my god <laughs> how do you live up there <laughs> much less play hockey but I, so i guess the vaseline just gives you that layer of protection it, yeah, right? it just gives you a slight layer but but yeah it gave us a good advantage though for other teams coming in because they'd freaking be freezing their their socks <laughs> off and we'd be like, hey, we've been playing in this all, all winter. Right. But the best thing about it, though, is it made for just amazing ice. Like, to this day, that ice was the best ice I've ever skated on. Nice. So, I mean. And, and and what makes it such great ice? You know, it was I mean, just. ice is ice, right? The thing is, here in Southern California and, and you know, other places, you'd think, you know, how the heck do they get ice here? You know, it's not winter. You know, there's no ice. So the way it works is there's like refrigeration systems under the ice, cooling systems that, you know, maintain the ice. There is, we had a refri- was like a small refrigeration system to cool the ice 
But the majority of the days in the winter, you didn't even have to use that. It was so cold and brisk outside that it just maintained the ice like just naturally. So the ice itself was just super, super hard to where you could cut into it. And, you know, it just you're not digging into the ice as much because of how hard it is from from the weather and how cold it, it was naturally. But no, it was it was great. I loved playing in that rank. So help me out understand this. So there's the the Zamboni, right? It's just yeah. like that clears the ice and smooths it out. But mm-hmm. that's probably more necessary when it's not so cold, right? Because doesn't it take the layer of liquid off the top too? Yeah, the the Zamboni. I just compare the Zamboni there to what the Zamboni here would do. The Zamboni just throws an extra layer of, of it dispenses water okay around the rink and takes up all the excess ice so it's kind of replenishing the ice that you you'd cut into and and made like a stop on so it, it resurfaces it ah so it smooths it out it smooths it out yeah, yeah. so but I mean, in San Diego, it's so hard to resurface ice perfect because you cut into ice and it's not as cold as what it was there. So it it, it leaves more of a you know indent in the like ice, a, like a divot on a golf course. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I mean, you you indent the ice, but you throw any type of layer on top of that. How cold it was, it fix it perfectly. So that's another thing with how good the ice was. Mm-hmm. That year in New Hampshire, the hockey season. You know, was was a pretty much a breakout year for me. I'd been away from home, and I'd been playing against older and better players. So it was just good hockey. New England players, a lot of them were New England players up there. So I, I was playing against kids that were committed to good schools like Boston College or Yale or Harvard or, you know, a lot of the hockey east school so university of new hampshire merrimack so good division one schools and it was pretty much a, a time for me to look at these players and be like let's let's put my abilities against theirs and see where i am and you know i did really really well that year and and coming into the season i just remember thinking you know like not as much what the coach thinks of me but he didn't really scout me that mm. much prior yeah. to when I stepped on campus. Right. So in the fall, we had a split season team. So we played some tournaments in the fall with ice hockey. And leading into the season, you know, we had a tryout. And, you know, I remember him calling, calling me into his office and be like, all right, you made our team, but you're going to be on the fourth line. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks in, just a couple of games in, I remember just dominating, and next thing you know, I was playing first line, nice first power play. I was playing with a kid that was nineteen. I was playing with a kid that was nineteen, and a kid that was eighteen. You know, I was the center between them. Wow! And you were what fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, those were mature guys. Those were men. Yo, no doubt, no so, doubt. I mean, they teach you a lot as a as a hockey player and as a person, and you know that that's another thing that just benefited my game was playing with those older guys when I was 15. Oh, no doubt. Well, it so. br- just brings your whole game up. I mean, you know, it's like when you show up at a 
pickup basketball court and there's some really good players. And yeah. You get on that court with them, it brings your game up. Yeah. So as a center, were you responsible? And then this, forgive me, I'm not a hockey expert, but were you distributing the the puck to them so they could score? Is that was that your role as a center? Kind of like a point guard in basketball? So you could compare it to a point guard in basketball. A lot of stuff runs through the center because he floats more in the middle of the ice. I'd say he's in the middle of the ice more than a lot of the other four guys on the ice. So center is you take the face-offs, and in the defensive zone, I'm just saying in, in why a center is different than a left wing, right wing, sure. the two defensemen. So you take the face-offs, and in the defensive zone, your responsibility is the other team's third forward, you know, one of the three guys. Mm-hmm. Then the other two forwards are they're being covered by the other two defensemen that are on your team. Right. And then the wingers, so your left and right wing are, are higher in the defensive zone covering the wingers, so you, or the, covering the other team's defense. So, so you got to play two-way then. Yeah, you're playing more defense as a center in the defensive zone. Um, you're a little bit more of the defensive forward. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then the offensive zone, it's you know the same thing. All three, you know, the left wing, the center, and the forward. You know, the responsibility isn't different. You're all three of you guys are trying to score goals and make plays. I see. But in the defensive zone, you're playing a little bit more defensive posture than what your left and right wing would be doing. Right on. So. And do you play center now, or are you a, are you a wing, or what, what positions do you typically play now? I've been playing center my whole life, but my first year of junior hockey, I was a left wing, and I played I played the majority of my junior career at center. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the that's the position that I like to play the most. Right on, good. But I, I mean, I could play left wing, I could play right wing, and played a couple games at defense. I'm oh, sure you, you could probably put on the gear and, and guard the, the, the net, right? Goal, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not crazy <laughs> enough to be a goalie. <laughs> but no, yeah, center playing center between two older guys in New Hampshire it really helped me, and it was a great year. I learned a lot from the the coach there, Coach Casey Kesselring, and was actually able to play with his son. Mikey, when he was a freshman at New Hampton, and this past year I was playing with him in Fargo. So nice. it, it says a lot about his coaching ability that he has coached not only his son into a great hockey player, but has had guys like myself and and few other guys that have come through him and at New Hampton school and and gone on to have really good careers. Yeah, co- coaches like that make big, big differences. He's a huge, huge hockey guy. I mean, he would. You know, talk about guys that have helped me out in my career. He, like, in comparison to Mister Garrett, he got me into the school. But I remember he was like a dad to me the whole year. He would, he would drive me down to the airport. He would go over to the hockey shops, and uh, you know, I'd give him my because I was being at if I was in the classroom and I'd broke a stick the previous day. I'd be like, Hey, Casey, can you go pick up this stick? I just purchased it at like the hockey place over here. And he's like, Okay, so he, <laughs> he he would go and. And oh man, the biggest thing was blades. I'd have so many blades break or break because of the cold weather. Yeah. And I was like, Casey, like I purchased this hockey gear down the down the road. I'm in class right now. Can you go pick it up? And he'd be like, All right, I'll have it for practice. So yeah. this is really before Amazon was a big thing, right? Yeah. So you had to go, yeah, you had to go pick it up. Jeez, if, if Amazon was around, I would have. I wouldn't make Casey do any of that stuff. Yeah, but it was so yeah. funny because he would he would take me down to the airport in Manchester, and I'd tell you what, man, like we would talk. Just hockey for an hour straight. Anytime I talk to Casey, you know, on the phone or whether we're texting, it's 
all hockey stuff. The guy Sweet. is like, probably the biggest hockey guy I've ever met, and you know I love him for that. So I was, I was able to be under a really good coach that was just a huge lover of the game. That's awesome. And uh, that was that was my time in New Hampshire. So then after that, I uh, I ended up coming home. So my goal kind of became. So after playing prep school hockey, my goal was my goal was to get into the USHL. I'd kind of figured out what the USHL was, and I'll explain that in a sec. But you know, playing prep school hockey and seeing where these high caliber players were going and seeing where these players were getting full ride scholarships mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. to the NHL, a lot of it was through the USHL. So the USHL, it's the United States Hockey League, and it's the top junior league in the United States. And it's Tier 1 Junior A hockey. So ninety, pretty much everybody in the league, so I'd say 95 to 100% of the kids have, have scholarships to play Division One hockey. Wow. So that was one of my goals is to play juniors so I can play Division One hockey but you know leaving New Hampshire after yeah after my year in New Hampshire I I decided to come home and play for the Junior Ducks so I made that decision purely based on you know wanting to get to the USHL and that being one of the stepping stones for me also, it was going to be like my last year living at home. Yeah, yeah. So I had had that taste of living away from home, and believe me, I loved it. And it's it's definitely helped me a lot as a person. But I knew coming home, if that was an option, that it'd be pretty good because, you know, it was my last year living with my, my family. I haven't lived at home since. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I came home to play my last year of midgets for the Junior Ducks, and uh, that's when I was I was back, you know, in Mister Garrett's office, <laughs> saying, <laughs> "Mister Garrett, what's what's the situation here? I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the whole Poway High School thing again." He said, "Okay, okay, we see what we can do." Uh, and then he called me up and said, "You know, we got a program through Poway Unified called New Directions." I was like, all right, what's that? And he was like, well, go down there, and, you know, they've got counselors. And it turned out that my counselor from Poway my freshman year had actually switched into a New Directions counselor. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, went down and saw her, and she said, this would be perfect for you. If you're going to be doing the same travel schedule that you were your, your freshman year, this will be perfect for you. So what it was is is you go in once a week for a class. So you take classes in four-week periods, and after two weeks you take the midterm, and after four weeks you take the final. So you had to teach yourself just one class in that four-week period, and it was all pretty much paper paper stuff. So you get the book and you get like like a pamphlet, like 30 pages per week. And uh, do all your classwork pretty much on the road and by yourself, and then meet with your teacher and uh, discuss what you'd gone through and take your test and you know move on to the next class. So that's nice. It's flexible, very flexible, you know, and, and you can kind of fit it around your schedule. It, it worked perfectly, and 
I mean, it says a lot, again, about Poway Unified yeah, that yeah. they have a program yeah, like right that. Because you know, there's only certain schools that allowed kids to do that. And, you know, the majority of my classmates had full-time jobs, and they couldn't go to school. So I was like, this is perfect for you guys just as it's perfect for me. Yeah, right on. You know, so that year I did all my English, history, psychology, all those classes through New Directions. And then science, they didn't have there, so I had to take that at Poway High School. So I was back in the classroom at Poway doing physics. And it was funny because just going back to Poway and just doing one class is like all these kids are looking at me like, this kid's like, <laughs> I, I swear I've never seen him before. He's never here like, like for any other class. Mm-hmm. And he just shows up for this one class and then books. I'm like... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> These kids are like, he's living like a double life. Like, this kid's got <laughs> this kid. <laughs> he's like Batman, Adam West, you know. Exactly. You know? Yeah, Bruce, yeah. What is it? No, it's Bruce. What am I? I can't remember. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Batman, yeah. He's <laughs> double life. But no, it was great because, you know, my physics teacher is just like my bio teacher my first year had worked, worked with me. And mm-hmm. I remember I had to take the math in New Directions. Um, the math class I was taking in New Directions, the class schedule, you'd meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays for 45 minutes. And it was like right as my physics class ended <laughs> that I'd have to go all the way over there and jump in my math class. So, I mean, I'd cut physics class probably like 10 minutes early on, on Tuesdays and like 45 minutes early <laughs> on Thursdays. <laughs> Wow. And I just pack up and walk out. I told my teacher, I was like, hey, like, I got to leave. And she's like, oh, yeah, just just get up. Don't make a lot of noise and walk out. I was like, are you sure that's okay? <laughs> she's like, yeah. But did you get the evil eye from your classmates? Like, All my classmates would look at me on Tuesdays. Who the hell do you think you are? All my classmates on Tuesdays and Thursdays would look at me and they'd be like, what the heck? This kid just leaves. Like, the teacher, the teacher has yet to say something to him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is great. So uh, that must have been really strange, you know, like you were Poway as a freshman. Mm-hmm. You missed like 30, 40 percent of the year. Mm-hmm. So you're and you're lunchtime. You're in the classroom. You're there after school. You're not at very many social activities like football games and stuff. Yeah. And you're gone sophomore year. Then you're back as a junior and you kind of just pop in and pop out. I mean, the whole time they're going like, who is this Herman guy? You know, he's coming and going. But it must yeah. have been hard for you to, like, build friendships and, you know, kind of get to know kids. Because the minute you probably build a relationship, boom, you're out of town. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I had, you know, I had few friends. I'd say the friends I had at Power were, were just classroom friends, you know, kids that I could talk to during class. But it's not like I'd socialize with them any, anywhere outside of school. Sure. So it's not like there weren't huge friendships, but the kids there were always, they were friendly. They were always super nice to me. And, you know, I explained to them the whole hockey thing, and it was so hard explaining that. And they're like, <laughs> like wait a second, like, slow down. Like, what are you doing with your right, career? Right, what right. you do? It's just so different. And, you know, the friends there, I, I have a couple friends that I still talk to. But other than that, it's just, it's just not too many Really, really close friends. But like I said, everybody there was super nice and super yeah, friendly. That was awesome. 
it's tough though because I like you said I didn't get to go to the football games or the the yeah. soccer yeah. or the lacrosse yeah the big sporting events or pep rally I, I don't think I even went to a pep rally when I was at Poway and I heard those <laughs> were so much fun but you know it is what it is I, living my life and doing that and. They respected that. But ultimately, so. you know, talking about this at the beginning, you were pursuing your happiness. Yeah. You were doing what, what Rory wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you, you had to make certain sacrifices along the way, but really they're not so much sacrifices. They were choices that you made that were in your best interest because yeah. you wanted to be a hockey player and you wanted to compete at the highest level. Yep. And so you knew you had to do things different. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. I mean, it's cool that you recognize it. It's great that your parents supported you through it. It's great that you found mentors along the way. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. So th- this is an this is awesome story. Hockey has been great. Has been great to me and my family because, or my family and I, just purely because we jumped into the game together. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. None of us had played hockey. No one in the family knew about it. San Diego is a small hockey community, so jumping into hockey for us is is you know. We were learning together of what what I needed to do. Obviously, being at the rink all the time and being with the guys all the time at the hockey rink is just like for me. I I learned at an accelerated level, and I'd have to come home. <laughs> it's like when your parents come home. Yeah. You you come home to your parents like, what do you learn at school? And you're like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did you learn today at practice? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but no, we learned together all the different yeah, things. I understand. It was yeah. good though. Power, I mean. Poway High definitely helped me a lot with with the schooling aspect. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that year we were playing for the Junior Ducks and, and making the decision to come back to get to the USHL, you know, the, the junior hockey level, the majority of the scouts for the USHL scouted youth hockey tournaments uh, opposed to prep school or I shouldn't say that but they scouted the junior they, they scouted the youth hockey a little bit more than they scouted some of the prep school hockey so the tournaments that I was going to with the junior ducks all the USHL teams were there so when I came back and I made the decision to move to the junior ducks you know being that my goal was the USHL that's what I wanted. Yeah, to it do. made sense. I mean, yeah. you're going to get all that exposure, you know, possibly a lot more than you would have gotten in New England. Yeah, and then you get to be back home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. but it's, I mean, a lot of good New England players do end up playing the USHL. Right. And they, it's good hockey up there. So, yeah. No, I came back and it, it all kind of went to way it planned out. You know, I got drafted. The way the USHL works is they have a. They have a youth draft. There's a phase one and there's a phase two. And I got drafted phase two, 10th round, 165th overall to the Green Bay Gamblers. Mm -hmm. So the team I played on. But, you know, I talked to teams throughout the year. My coach said he talked to almost every team. And, you know, I just didn't remember talking to Green Bay that much. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, there's a team. Like, I talked to teams yeah. that were like, hey, we're going to take you in like the third round and take you in the fourth round. We're like, all right. And then the freaking third and fourth round go by and you're like, what the heck? What's yeah. going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what it was, a lot of the teams, you know, I had, a, I had another option to play in another junior league and, you know, that kind of got out and teams didn't really know if they should waste a pick. But yeah. then, you know, I had to 
make some calls and be like, no, like I'm going to this league, like yeah. this is where I want to be. And then yeah. 10th round comes around, I got selected. And, and that, that happens actually, you know, in, in the, the draft for, for baseball, because they're not sure if a ball player really wants to go to college or if they really want to play mm-hmm. pro. And then that'll affect how a team chooses to use their pick. Yeah, because they don't want to you know, use a third round pick if the player is not going to be interested in going there. Yeah, so I, I understand that dynamic, but yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting too because the league is, I mean, they're like these city names. You know, it's almost like you know the 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 L.A. Kings and the St. Louis Blues. You know, but it's the Green Bay Gamblers. Yeah, and they have a draft just like the NHL. I mean, it's incredible for a youth amateur level. Yeah, the way the league works is it's, you know, there's a league similar to ours up in Canada, and it's called the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League. And that's the top junior league, you know, they call it major junior in Canada. And they got a Western Hockey League branch, an Ontario Hockey League branch, and the Quebec Major Junior League, QMJHL branch. And our league is very, very comparable to to that league or those leagues it's the top level junior league and all of our kids have aspirations to play in the NHL right the difference what separates us is that league is the they are considered paid professionals you know they get uh, like a certain amount of money per month like not much it's like maybe 300 to 500 bucks a player per month like like for food or or room and board and stuff like that. So with that stipend money that they get in Canada, they lose their, you know, NCAA eligibility. Ugh. So our league was set up to influence players to go to college. Right. You know, to use college as a stepping stone to the pros. Right. So you know, you show up in the USHL and you, you like you said it's team names it's like a legit yeah. league it's, yeah, it's yeah. very similar to pro level hockey we're yeah. playing 62 games a year we're getting fans you know we're signing autographs we're living away from home and and all the stuff is like all the stuff we get is high quality you know we're getting all the best gear we're in the best locker rooms we got training rooms oh, you know, no, video. this must have been pretty sweet for you oh it's great you know yeah. you come from playing youth hockey and jumping into that you're like it's a completely different ball game oh yeah you're pretty much like jumping into professional sports right right there at 17 yeah. it's professional but it's not professional exactly yeah yeah it, it, it is interesting i mean the whole idea that you know if you took even just a small salary 300 500 bucks a month you lose your NCAA amateur status. Yeah. That whole thing, in my opinion, needs to be major reforms. And I know they're struggling through that. Yeah. You know, and, and there's different situations in football and basketball and hockey and baseball. And I, I'm interested to see, like, if we could project 20 years down the road, what the NCAA is going to look like. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's so many gray areas with rules these days, but, you know, I don't know. It's... For hockey players in the United States, the NCAA route is is the route that is most beneficial. Well, yeah. You know? Well, it, of course. I mean, you're going to get an education, you get a degree, yeah, and you're going to play at the highest level. Yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah. So that I mean that's the, the way the USHL is set up and having all their kids go NCAA is great. And, yeah. Right on. You know, we get treated like kings in the USHL, and 
it's a lot to say to USA Hockey and we got to be careful saying Kings, I guess, in that context, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, we get treated fairly Very well, well like it's royalty. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's really yeah. good. But no, I mean, I I showing up to Green Bay in the summer after getting picked like in the tenth round. Remember the coach coming out to me before the camp saying, "You know, we expect you to make the team," and I'm like, "All right, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. okay, like, oh, well, that's why I'm here." Yeah, yeah I came out here yeah. to make the team, so. Yeah. But, you know, whether he says that to other players or not, like, I don't know. I'm sure he says that to every guy just to influence players to just play at their highest level for their camp. You know, they have a short period of time to pick a team. So I ended up trying out for the team my first year when I was 17, and, uh, you know, I made the team. Right on. Yeah. So I I was moving out to Green Bay for my senior year of high school. Oh, oh my. (laughs) So Poway freshman, boarding school sophomore, Poway junior year. And now senior year, you're going to Green Bay. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, Schwabenon High School. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, was, I mean, I had my first taste of USHL hockey when I was 16 and playing for the Junior Ducks. And you know, we we were in a tournament in Detroit, and you know, I had a pretty good game. And I remember, you know, after the game, the development coach was talking to my coach, and then next morning I wake up and my dad's like, "Hey, you know, we got to pack your bags. You're going to play for the development program tonight." And this team, you know, the United States Development, the way they're set up, they have a U17, a U18. It's the top kids in the country play on these teams, and they play in our league and use our league as a as a pretty much good competition for for them to grow as players. So I got that opportunity when I was 16 to play for the USA National Team Development Program, and I played three games. And I remember first game, I, I mean, it's like USHL hockey. It's like the league I'm playing in next year. But looking out there, and I'm like, geez, these guys are big. These guys are good <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah. The game was so fast. It's a completely different game going from just playing in a youth tournament down the road to jumping into this USHL game. It just happened so fast. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. Um, but it was a great experience. I played against Muskegon and uh, Dubuque. I went on the road with them and played in Dubuque. And you know, I didn't play too much against the game and uh, uh, against the team against Muskegon. I think it was our first game we played Muskegon. I didn't play too many shifts in that. But when I got to Dubuque, you know, I was playing pretty regularly on, I think, those third line. You know, it was fun games. Real right fun games. You get to wear the USA jersey. Yep, I had I'm, the USA jersey on. Special. And USA gloves and pants and helmet. And yeah. It was great. It was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, you get a great national pride, the whole thing. I mean, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was fun. You know, seeing that, it was almost like a learning experience for me of what I needed to continue to work on for the summer to be able to play in this league in the next year coming. So I made the Green Bay team. I'd shown up in Green Bay. I was at the high school, and that's kind of when my junior career started. Played my first year in Green Bay. You know, I was at the high school. And my second year, I was out of high school, but I was in Green Bay. And then my third year, I played... Green Bay and got traded to Fargo. Mm-hmm. So, you're wearing the shirt right now, the Fargo Force. Fargo Force. Mm-hmm. Junior hockey is an experience, though. I mean, like you said, you know, go from Poway, New Hampshire, Poway to Green Bay. <laughs> but uh, now, USHL is different from all the other experiences. 
yeah, I mean, because I, I saw highlights, you know, of you in those arenas, and those are like big time arenas, yeah. you know, and and there are a lot of fans there and people wearing the gear, mm-hmm. you know, supporting the team, just like fans in San Diego support the goals, yeah, you know, and uh, I, mean, I was impressed, you know, just a little bit I saw, because I, I and and it looked to me as a as a non hockey guy, I thought it was like a professional league. Yeah. You know, but I realized, okay, no, it's not professional. And actually, that makes sense because your goal is to play D1. Mm-hmm. You know, well, your next goal. Yeah. The, the next ultimate step. goal is, is NHL, of course. Yep. But um, so I was just really impressed with how that worked, you know, and then, um, you know, the just the whole the whole environment around that USHL. Yeah. Was just top notch. Well, we played out of the excuse me. We played out of the Rush Center. In Green Bay, and it was right across from Lam- Lambeau Field, the Packer Arena. <laughs> the frozen tundra. The, fro- the frozen Love. tundra. <laughs> yeah. So we were playing, I mean, Rush Center held about 12,000 people. Oh, that's a big arena. So we were averaging, depending on how the Packers did during their season. <laughs> and I was lucky because the years that I played there, they had a couple bad seasons, so well, we were getting more fans. Well, bad for them is average for most other teams. Yeah, yeah bad for <laughs> Yeah, their fans were... Their fans weren't too pleased, but they were coming to our games. We were averaging like probably four and a half, four thousand fans maybe mm-hmm. on bad nights. I mean, we had nights where I mean, Teddy Bear Toss night, we had about 8,000, 8.3,000. Wow. wow. Wiener dog race, we had like 8,000. <laughs> Tell me about the wiener dog race. Wiener dog race, you bring your wiener dog and they race from like the red line to like the other side. I think it was, I, I don't know. We were in the locker room. It's during intermission, so yeah. you only get to see videos on like Twitter and stuff. But yeah, you start, you bring your wiener dog and you <laughs> go on like the goal line. You have like one owner over yeah. here and like the other owner is like yeah. calling him and like yeah. they crown one at the end. It's a pretty funny. Can they get traction? I mean, oh, I don't uh, know, man. I mean, they're running out there. They're you just kind of slide them along. You know? <laughs> That's the funny thing, though, about the USHL. There's so many different like, Nights. There's the wiener dog race. There's like bring your kids to the game night, princess night. We had a heavy metal night. Oh, right on. Yeah. And uh, we had a packer night. So there's a lot of jerseys that are made like specifically for the games that you wear. Like they're not like your normal in season jerseys. Oh. So you wear them for like one game and then after you auction them off. Oh, nice. At the end. And a lot of the proceeds. And we had a mil- we have a military night. Oh, cool. So we do like a camo themed jersey with nice. camo helmets and we nice. raffle those out off and all the money goes to like the, uh, you know, a certain military um, association out there. I think it was yeah. veterans or something. Cool. It was really cool. I, it was awesome. And you know, Fargo was the same. They, they seated, I think the rink seated about 6,000. We averaged about 4,000. So... Fun rinks to play in the USHL. So you figure when you got started, you're playing in these tournaments as a, you know, a 10-year-old. And pretty much the only people there watching are like f- parents and brothers yeah, and, and sisters. Yeah. And, and suddenly now you're playing in front of like 8,000 people. Oh, yeah. I mean, how does that feel like to be in that arena with that kind of energy? It's electrifying. I mean, I, I scored some big goals in uh, packed houses and I mean you, you put one in the net when when that many people are there and they're all screaming your name and they're all banging on the glass right and it, on. you feel some jitters for sure and yeah. it's, it's fun it, it just makes it so much more fun and I remember I remember when I, I scored one goal I think it was I think it was Teddy Bear Toss it was the second goal of the game and even just the second goal of the game everybody was going nuts and you know 
it was fun. That is so awesome. It was great. Nothing, nothing better than playing big and big crowds. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, it takes a special kind of a athlete and a psyche to rise up in those moments. Because mm-hmm. for some athletes, that big crowd could crush them. You yeah, know, they'd feel the pressure. But it's cool that you were able to have that enhance your game. Yeah, I mean, it's easier with a home crowd opposed to away crowds. But, you know, for me as a player, I, I like playing in big crowds, either home or away. I, you just feel more energy. Oh, no doubt. No you doubt. Know, you you get your legs going. You just get into the game. You know, I nothing better than when guys are rooting against you, too, because they're, like, <laughs> banging on the glass. I mean, some USH USHL crowds a little bit more vicious than others. <laughs> yeah, you know, mid Midwest people, but yeah. it was it was fun. Right, you probably got called every name in the book in some of those. Yeah, arenas. I mean, I remember one game we, got, we had a kid get a beer thrown on him. Really? Oh yeah, like over the glass, they like launched a beer onto the ice. It, you know, it was it was uh, we lost the game, and he, he it was like getting intense, and he went to the penalty box, and you know, someone just dumped it oh, on him. Man. It's a shame, but it's a pretty typical junior hockey story, to be honest. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all right, man. Oh, no, that's this is good. Uh, so this is so awesome. So um, so what are the other teams that are in that circuit on the USHL? We have an East Eastern Conference and a Western Conference, but there's teams that – I mean, the farthest uh, West team is Fargo, and then the farthest East team is Youngstown, so Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, the Youngstown Phantoms. But between there, I think there's – I think there's six, no, 17 teams total. Okay, so it's really definitely Midwest. Mm-hmm. All located in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, you got teams in Chicago. We got Madison Capitals, which is in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, there's a bunch of teams in Iowa. There's Dubuque, Sioux Falls, Sioux City, Cedar Rapids. Uh, there's Lincoln in Nebraska. There's Tri City in Nebraska, the Tri City okay. Storm. Um, Sioux Falls, Stampede. Um, South Dakota team. There's the a nice league. Two development program teams are in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then there's Muskegon, Michigan, and Chicago. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might be missing a couple, but yeah, well, yeah. it's all located right yeah, there in right the Midwest. On. It's, it's almost like Big Ten Conference, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. that whole area there. Yeah. So I saw the video of you that got in the fight on the ice yeah. with, with this, what's that his name? I think it was Kaiser. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys were just going at it. And, and tell me that story. What was that like? So we had played in Muskegon, and I got in a couple fights in Muskegon in my career, but that was the first one. And Muskegon's a fun place to play because, you know, their team's usually always a really gritty team, and, and you know, they, if they're beating you, they're gonna let you know. <laughs> and at the time, they were they were beating us like two nothing, and they were chirping. It was the second game of the weekend. They beat us the night before, and they were just jabbing the whole night. And you know, this kid and I kind of talked and had a couple scrums, but uh, you know, I'd come off a separated shoulder like the week before. And I remember our coach coming after second period just saying, oh, we need some energy or something. I was like, oh, God, like, <laughs> i got to fight this guy. <laughs> so first period I go out there, second period I went out there, and first shift I, I scored. And I wasn't even thinking about scoring at the time. And I just, just, puck came to me in front of the net, and I put one in. 
I was like two one. I'm like, okay, we're in this game. Yeah, right on. Next shift, you know, I came off the ice after I scored. Next shift, they score to make it three one. I was like, okay, like same situation that I was in before. Right down so two. I, I jump over and Kaiser's on the ice, and I kind of look at him, and he looks at me, and I was kind of gave him a nod. And he gave me a nod. You know, I won the face off back and uh, kind of regrouped with my D, caught the pass, just kind of chipped it, saw him coming to hit me, and he kind of brushed me, and then like right away we looked at each other and just shattered our gloves and went right at it. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's good, good fighter, good guy, and he, I mean, he tried swipe, he didn't expect because first punch out of the gate, I just grabbed him and just socked him like right in the mouth, and. uh you know, he'd been doing most of the talking that weekend, so he might not have thought that that one was coming. But then after that, he was trying to swipe and, you know, hit me, and I was dodging pretty much the majority of his hits. He didn't really hit me that fight. And uh, every fight or every punch I was getting, I was just pulling him in a little bit and just connecting right to his face. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was a good fight, long fight, probably like 20, 30 seconds. And, you know, at the end of it, like, pulled him in i kind of tripped on my knee and you know slipped a little bit but you know it was good because even when he was kind of like still stand like i kind of came up and i was fine i was pumped and you know he get he kind of turns towards the camera kind of turns and his whole lips split he's bleeding from his mouth and his, he's got like a big gash up up above oh his God. eye so i i came back after after going to the locker room for the third period and was in the penalty box and I look over at him. He's got stitches all on his lip and stitches all on oh my his side. They, they already sewed him up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He was sewn up and back out there. Uh -huh. That was a good fight, though. That was a real good fight. Yeah, because I saw the video, and when you guys were doing it, you're grabbing jerseys, you know, and you're trying to punch, and, it, and it's like chaotic. Yeah. You know? And sometimes, depending on how your jersey's pulled, I mean, you would be restricted in your movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must have been really crazy. It's tough. Fighting hockey is, is different than fighting, you know, strategically. It's just different than fighting in all other aspects of, of combat, you know, or UFC or any of that stuff. But, uh, you know, a lot of it's you got to maintain your balance and timing and, you know, you got to have a good grip of the guy because, you know, some fights will go like five seconds and one guy will throw and just kind of trip and, you know, then the fight's over. But no, that that one was that one was a long one. We both had a pretty good grip on each other's jersey. And both maintained pretty solid balance and trying to find shots. But uh, well, it's well. interesting that you were saying how. I mean, obviously, I, I get the whole angle of the coach, you know, wanting to fire up the team, right? Oh uh, no, he, I mean, coaches don't necessarily tell you to fight, but like, you know, sometimes he you just know that there needs to be something that happens in the game and yeah and so. i get i get it at that level mm -hmm. but what i thought was interesting the way you described it is is like you looked at him and he looked at you and you sort of did a head nod it was almost like you were agreeing to fight before the fight happened yeah and and, and then it happened yeah no I mean, it's so that's like this unique kind of um I don't know what it is. It's, like, it's, it's just like a mutual agreement. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. there's not a lot. There's really no hockey fights where both guys don't want to be in the fight. Right. Um, usually, no, you're going to go at it. And whether it's a scrum in front of the net and things get heated or or it's just, you know, you're skating around and 
you tell a guy like, hey, do you want to fight? And he agrees to it. <laughs> then it goes about the way it goes about. Right. But now I remember my first fight in the USHL was against this uh, big like six four six five Ukrainian dude, like two fifteen. You know, I was seventeen at the time, and it was probably five eleven or six foot and buck eighty five. And you know, we were going at it in <laughs> yeah. front of the net, and he kind of tied me up like right as a loose puck came that I probably could have put in, but he took me down. I was like super, super mad about it. And I looked at him, I was like, "Let's go." And I kind of skated away, and he was like, "Okay." And I was like, "Oh, no way! <laughs> no, no. I'm in this." <laughs> so he grabbed me, and he freaking gave me one, like right on the eye, and all in one, kind of slung me back a little bit, and all in one motion. I came back and just popped him, like right on the right on the beak, right on the nose, and he kind of went down, like fell over me, and I kind of just felt his nose like crumble in my fist. Whoa! And uh, yeah, then you know I came back and. You know, he wasn't in the penalty box. He didn't come back for the rest of the game. I was talking to my trainer. I was like, Dave, what happened to that guy? And he's like, you broke his nose and gave him a concussion. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the heck? But no, I mean, like I said, it's a mutual agreement. You get in fights with big guys. and It's like David versus hit. Goliath a little bit right there, you know? Oh, no, he's... He's a big guy. I'm sure I got I got pretty lucky. He'd he'd beat me up any other day. <laughs> no, but it was it was fun. You know, what is it? And I worked down this little rabbit hole about fighting, but in other sports, you know, fighting sometimes you'll see it, but it seems like in hockey it's more accepted. You know, um, yeah. You know, you'll, there'll be bench clearing brawls in baseball, but. Quite often, it's just a bunch of nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. But in in hockey, I mean, it's like you know they go toe to toe. Yeah, hockey is different from any other sport with the fighting aspect of it. But you know, it's been in the game since the game started, and it's it's not like it was back in the day where you know you'll look and there'll be like five guys from your team fighting the other five guys from the other <laughs> team like you know like that slap shot movie yeah. but you know it's it's you know it's just kind of like a it's kind of a part of the game where it's it's you police yourself or or it's just you know things get tense in sports you oh, know yeah, no doubt and hockey is, like I said, it's the only sport that you could actually go at someone and full-on fight and it not be against the rules and yeah. not get suspended or kicked out or anything. Yeah. So it's it's more of like it's, you know, unique in its own way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you, yeah, the fighting now is it's not like it was back in the day with, with the hockey guys. It's, you know, fighting now, it's... It's getting more and more out of the game, but it's definitely still relevant where there's there's guys that are, you know, you don't want to mess with on the ice or you, you you could be targeting someone on the other team and, you know, have a guy come up to you and be like, don't mess with him because then, you know, I might have to fight you. Right. And it's, it's just kind of like one of those things that's been a part of the game forever. Wow. So tell me, you know, you're, you're now you're in Green Bay mm-hmm. and... You're in high school in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the USHL. You're traveling all over the Midwest, but you're still a high school student. Yeah. So what was that like? You know, you, now suddenly you're the new guy again. Yeah, completely know? different school. And you, what it is is we had like six kids that were in high school still on the team. And every year they just 
throw you into this high school that's in uh, Schwabenon, um, for the Green Bay kids at least. And, you know, they take care, the team takes care of the majority of the talking and communicating the schedules through through counselors and teachers. So they know what to expect rather than you having to confront a teacher and tell them what your schedule is. They know right. what's going on. So it's it was set up really well. And, you know, we missed a lot of school because we would, you know, if we were playing in Fargo, we'd leave on Wednesday. And yeah. We wouldn't get back till yeah. Sunday morning. So we'd miss two, two days of school. We'd probably miss like Wednesday through Friday, you know, once a month. You know, mm-hmm. some sometimes it was just Friday. Actually, there was probably like three Fridays every um, yeah every week that or every month that we'd miss. But no, the the kids there were in Green Bay had experienced all the gambler players going to their school, and and they were like, some of them were like, okay, this, these kids come in, you know, they think they're all that they can just come to our school yeah. like they're as seniors and yeah. just walk in and be a part of our senior class yeah yeah and some kids were like didn't take to it too well but yeah that's that's high school yeah, yeah it's just uh, high it, school has it didn't help some weird that, stuff yeah, yeah it didn't help that some of the kids on our team would almost abuse it too like they wouldn't respect them back because they were uh, they were yeah. just beefing but yeah you know i walked in i i you know, I had a good attitude about pretty much my hockey career and what I'd had to do, so it wasn't anything different for me. I walked in, I made pretty good friends with all the people at the school, and was like, hey, man, like, I'm not here to get in any of your stuff. I'm just here to go to school and do yeah, that. Right and, on. Yeah. You know, we can be friends. I could tell you about back home and t- maybe t- tell me a little bit about Green Bay. And I made a lot of friends, actually, at a Schwab and on good people there so i mean the midwest people are so nice that oh absolutely it, it was it was good i, I like going to school there nice so green bay man that's i mean you always hear the stories about the green bay packers and mm-hmm. that whole community but the the thing that the stories i always hear about green bay that i think are funny is is when the green bay freezes mm-hmm. and then people will drive their cars out there and they go a little too far and they end up sinking. Yeah. And then you hear the stories about other people that like to go ice fishing in yeah. these little huts. And I hear about all the shenanigans that go on inside these huts. <laughs> so have you ever gone ice fishing? No, I, I had the opportunity to go when I was in Green Bay with a girlfriend of mine. And we were supposed to go, I think it was a Sunday. And I got a call from my coach in the morning and it was right. It was the last day of the trade deadline. I was like, "Okay, like this isn't the call I want to get right now." But uh-huh. it's the call that you know happens in sports and in hockey. So yeah, I was texting. I was like, "Hey, I got to go into the coach's office." So he was like, "You've been traded to Fargo," and I was like, "Oh God!" But I was like, I had to text my my girlfriend. I was like, "Hey, like." You know, I can't go ice fishing. Like, so I had the opportunity, and we were gonna go snowmobiling that day too. But I, I missed it, man. It was the last day, and oh. I was freaking out of town the next day. And but it's all right, though. I, I'm sure I'll get back there and experience that, and experience some more of the hunting and the fishing that they have to offer in the Midwest. But I mean, I tell you what, like the Midwest people, man, like that's their like that's their Christmas, like opening day deer season remember like everybody in the school was like the majority of the school was gone girls and guys right like where are all these kids go like and then i teach be like oh it's deer season and, 
And they were always like, oh, man, I wish I could be out there. <laughs> they got their tree stands. There's certain spots where they could go. But it was the same for ice fishing. Once the ice froze over, they'd be like, oh, we got to go put our our uh, tent up or go put our hut up on the on the lake yeah. or on the bay there and get the tip-ups going. Yeah, right on. But it, it's big. Yeah, they're huge into the ice fishing. They're huge into the deer hunting. Anything outdoorsy there, they, they love doing it. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool culture. That is. And I, I, I've heard stories about people that have been to Green Bay, mostly like a pilgrimage to go to Lambeau Field, right, to yeah, see yeah. a Packer game. But they always come back, you know, just loving it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that took me and my son to the Gulls game, the Ackley family, they're from Wisconsin. Okay. And so they just love that. You know, I love sh- enjoying their stories um, about the whole Wisconsin I mean, it is a culture in and of itself, you know. And, oh, it is. And I think that's neat. But you were there for like a little over two seasons, and then you were traded. And I'm thinking, how does that feel, like, to be traded? That's got to be an emotional thing for you. Yeah, it's tough, but it's part of sports. Like, it's what every player goes through at some point in their career. So you just you just pack up the car and go. And yeah, because it's just it's, a business, right? Yeah, it's a business. So there's no love lost between teams or anything. And sometimes it's interesting. You'll you'll see sometimes a player. You'll see this in some sports where they'll fall in love with the city where they play. Oh yeah, you know, and then they get traded, and it's just crushing. You yeah, know? yeah. And then then sometimes they say, "Oh, the team doesn't want me anymore," but. This other team does want you, yeah. you know? So I, that's a little bit of a mind game. But suddenly you're, you know, probably like you got the call from the coach. Mm-hmm. You're in his office. He tells you the news. Then how quickly are you in Fargo? I was there within two days. Wow. So, but the, it was, like you said, with the trade and then the uh, fall in love with the city versus, you know, team needs you. So at the time when I was in Green Bay, we weren't doing too well and we were, you know, close to last place in the league. So, and I was having a pretty good season and, you know, I didn't know if I was going to get traded exactly, but I kind of figured it was going to happen because I, I knew some good teams were going to want players for playoffs. Ah, so, okay. Okay. Trade deadline. I got you. So that's kind of how it went with me. I, I got called in but I got traded with another kid on my team that was a defenseman and he was a really good player so we both got shipped out to Fargo and and Green Bay in return got like some picks and some kids for for this season yeah so you know I was happy that I was going to be able to experience some playoffs and yeah, be on a yeah. great team. Like, yeah, it was right it was good. Like this team wanted me to mm-hmm. come in to yeah, play and yeah. be a good player for their team and yeah. advance their team and get into playoffs and all that. So it was it was a new opportunity for me and I, I really enjoyed that part of it. That's awesome. But it's tough. Cause, I mean, you know, the way the junior hockey system works is you get put with billet families too, and you can get pretty close with them. So the billet families, you know. I had three, yeah, three billets in my junior career. So what's what's billet mean? It's or like what? it's like a host family. Um, uh, you know how you have okay. like foreign exchange students here mm-hmm. that'll stay with certain families. The teams they, you know, kind of advertise. Do you want to billet a Green Bay Gambler? Do you want to billet a Fargo Force member? Yeah, and you know, certain people in the community will be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like something we would like to do. Or most of the people have, like, a younger son or, or like, an extra room or something. Yeah. Or are just super into sports and want to want to meet a player and see what, what his life is like and mm-hmm. learn about where he's from. Yeah. So, 
my first year, I was with the Ward family, and their situation was they had older kids and that were out of the house, so they billeted me and a Swedish or a Swedish kid myself at their house, but they were in the the high school district uh, that our or our hockey team worked with the high school there. So I lived there because they were in that district, and you know I could go to school there and consider that my home address. Right. Um, and that was a great experience. Like you know, they treated me so well, and you know their family is absolutely amazing. They had a young grandson, Logan, who loved hockey and would come nice. to all the games. Nice. He was like a younger brother to us. And then after my first season ended, I got moved to another billet house in Green Bay, and that was the Babe family, Cindy and Dave and Alex. And uh, they had a son with Down syndrome, Alex, but he was like a huge sports fan. Like the guy just loved <laughs> the gamblers and loved right the on. Packers. You know, yeah. he's a big Vikings fan, which is hilarious. He, a Vikings oh, man, fan in Green was, Bay? Because you know, he was a Brett Favre fan. So oh, when he got okay, moved, okay. then he just kind of stayed with him. It was, it, it, oh, it was so fun watching the games with him and, and Dave and Cindy. But Alex, man, he was he was like a big brother to me. And I was able to create such a bond with him and – you know, he'd come to all the games and know all the rosters and all the players. And, you know, he would know if kids are traded or on the new roster, like, before I would even know. I'm like, Alex, who's on the team today? Like, who do we got today? And yeah, he, he was so into it, and it, it was amazing. And, you know, even if you'd have, like, a bad game or something, like, the billets, especially Alex, were so supportive. They were like, oh, good game, good game. And you're like, oh. Nice. It's like, it's like their family, a second yeah, family, too. exactly. And yeah, yeah. I'd say that's the hardest part of the trade, to be honest with you, is, is leaving those families. But um, Well, and you left a girlfriend, too. Yeah, yeah, a lady yeah, friend of mine. Yeah. So that's yeah, all right, though. Like, friends are friends. You... The best thing about it now is you got social media. You can connect with all your friends. I mean, I talked to all my buddies from New Hampshire, all the friends I made at that school that were, you know, international students, you know, with Facebook and Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat and all that. So, I I mean, I get to talk to all my, my friends still and create really good mutual bonds, even though we're not with each other. So. Right, right. And, you know, I still stay in touch with all my bills. I mean, I was texting my bill mom today just seeing how, because they got a new puppy, and I was like, hey, how's oh, the dog doing? Nice. So it was funny. But, yeah, after getting traded, I went from – Dave and Cindy's house, packed up everything, left town, was in Fargo. And, you know, right when I got there, you know, negative 20, like right out of the gate. Negative 20? Negative 20. And I'm just like, this is, you got to be kidding me. Because well, it was just starting to warm up a little bit. <laughs> so do you feel like you're back at the uh, at the, the arena in New Hampshire with two walls? Oh, God, no. It was so <laughs> cold in Fargo. It's like extra cold in Fargo. I was cold. it was negative for like two weeks. That, and like what the time first of the year was weeks. that? I was late February, late February, early March. So that's like three months ago. Yeah, like this year. Yeah. Wow, negative twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a as a as a Southern California guy, that's like like hard to really understand. Oh, it was yeah, it's <laughs> tough. But you know, you get through it. You just pack on all the clothes. Mm-hmm. But that was great because I mean Fargo like. The billets they put me with were, were just amazing people. Like they had kids that got traded throughout the year. So, but I was their last kid that they had because I couldn't get traded after the deadline was yeah, over. Right. So I show up and you know they were all there and you know Dan, Wendy, and Brody Halverson and they the 
Brody was the younger kid. He was a only child, and he was about 13. And, I mean, tell you what, man, they were just unbelievable people just to take you into their home, you know, for a couple months. Like, I'll be talking to them forever. They're, they supported me, and they helped me a lot. And uh, I created a really good friendship with Brody. And, nice. And, you know, we talked a lot about hockey and fishing and all that stuff. He was really into fishing, so... That's so cool. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I, I can't thank my billets that I've had enough and or my host families that I've had enough and, mm-hmm. and what they do. And, you know, it's it's an experience. If you're not an international kid, you don't really get that unless you're playing junior hockey. And uh, it's it's really good experience, and you learn a lot. So Well, yeah, and you, you grow up a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're – you're away from home. Yeah. I mean, you are in a almost like another home away from home, but mm-hmm. but still you're on your own. Yeah. Um, you're playing big time sports. You're still trying to get through school, right? Well, by this time you had graduated high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you you develop, you become a man, no doubt about it, you know? Yeah. Wow. So when did you get back to, to Poway? How long have you been in town? I've been in town about a month now. Okay. So I'm... Took a trip to Spain to visit my sister to Madrid. I was there for twelve days. That's considered like my my trip for the summer. Well, that yeah, to take some time <laughs> off. Yeah, 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 you know. And uh, now I'm just back into training. Right on. So, wh- tell me about your training program. What are the things you do? You know, I train differently these last two years, and I have all the other summers past that I've been training and coming home and doing my off season. Um, you know, I work with a guy up in Carlsbad that's a sports scientist. So, you know, we do things completely different than what I had done in the past. And all of it is revolved around the movements that you're doing, you know, in a game or in practice as a hockey player. You know, it's designed to make you not a better weightlifter. Or it's just designed to make you a better hockey player. Oh, wow. So all the workouts we do are, are very, very interesting, but as I'm doing them, as I'm thinking about them, it really relates to what I'd be thinking and how I'd be moving during a game. A lot of it's really low weight and just your body weight and certain movements that we do, you know, that will help the muscle groups and help the movements that you'd make on the ice. Right. Nice. So, I mean, I'm sore all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, more, I'm more sore doing all the stuff that we do. I mean, we, we, I think the biggest weights we've used, I've been going two weeks now, two and a half weeks, and uh, I think the biggest weights we've used is 20-pound dumbbells. Wow. I mean, we worked out one day with, like, two-pound weights, and my it was like uh, it was like a, like a knee rehabilitation workout, and combined with, like, an upper body arm movement workout, my arms were shot. Yeah. I'm just like, Chris, what the heck, man? <laughs> well, if, if, he, if they can get your body in just the right position, they can isolate that muscle just perfectly, right? Oh, yeah. The stuff, I mean, believe me, watching my workout, you, there's, we, work, we work on a field, so it's all outdoors. I mean, sometimes we're in like a, a workout studio. I think he works out of a CrossFit place, but... Um, yeah, most of the time we're just on a field using small weights, doing crazy stuff, and it's so much fun. Right on. It's so much fun. So how many times a week are you there? I go Mondays, Tuesdays, and then Wednesday off, and then Friday, Saturday. Oh, wow. No, no, Thursday, Friday, excuse me, and then Saturday, Sunday off. 
Okay, so four times a week. Four times a week. And then, you know, my skating is, I usually skate like once a week until like mid-June, and then I'll ramp it up to like three or four times a week. But, I mean, for me, it's, you know, rest is, excuse me, rest is a huge portion of development as a hockey player. Like, you can't work your body so much. Like, yeah, you're not going to get anything out of that. Um, Do you run a lot? Oh, on the whole workout, I'm running. Yeah, but I mean, you won't go for like a run, you know, like um, like a cardio kind of thing. I'm usually gassed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, the rest days he gives us, if you don't use them well, you know, you, you'll feel it mm-hmm. for a little bit longer. But uh, I mean, I I do a lot of other activities. I I go surfing quite a bit. Um, you know, I started surfing. Last, well, I've been surfing my whole life, but I started surfing more last summer uh, after going through some shoulder injuries. I figured this is nothing better than swimming. So where do you like to go surfing? Bar. I go everywhere. I tend to go in Del Mar mostly because it's kind of just easy going there. Yeah, and yeah. Just a nice beach. There's nice waves there and some good surfers. But I mean, I have a couple friends that surf and we'll try other places. Whenever we want. Right on. Good. But it's fun. I, I love getting in the water. That's nice. Yeah. Golf, too. I play a lot of golf. Try and golf like once or twice a month. Okay. Golf and hockey correlate perfectly, too, because, you know, for whatever reason, every hockey player seems to be a pretty decent golfer. Right. <laughs> I mean, I play with my buddy, and he sometimes I'll, like, nail a par or something. I haven't, I don't I haven't played in like four or five months. And I think I had like eight pars the other day and 18 holes. But it's still, it's a stick and, and, and uh, it's that lower movement. Yeah. The, deal, the, the, the urban legend with baseball players is, is that golf will ruin a baseball swing. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and I don't, I said, I'll say it's an urban legend because some people really believe it and some people say it's nonsense. But I would imagine for a hockey player, the golf swing is not that much of a difference. I mean, generally speaking, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, the urban legend was that roller hockey would ruin your ice hockey ability. And <laughs> I turned out fine. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> wow. So what about um, nutrition? Do you, are there things that you focus on? I just eat clean. I just eat clean. What Like all organic food. I mean, I'll have some days where I'll get like a carne asada burrito because I can't help it. Yeah. You know, well, I, yeah, I love back in San Diego. Here. Yeah. But, but do you uh, like drinking po- protein drinks or stuff like that? Pretty my nutrition, I don't really stick to like a strict nutrition guide because I like mm-hmm. to eat a lot of food and, you know, putting down like this day I'm going to eat chicken and this yeah. day, you know, I don't know what I'm going to eat every day. So but just eat clean. Yeah, I usually eat. My, I mean, my mom and dad are really good cooks. I'm, I'm a pretty good cook myself. Right on. So, I mean, a lot of it's just home, home-cooked meals, you know. I, I don't eat any junk food. But before workouts, I... I uh, I go with a smoothie mostly just because I don't want to feel heavy. Yeah. Um, and then after, I'll drink a smoothie too. So I usually just throw like two scoops of uh, organic plant-based protein powder, vanilla with the mixed berries that you get at Costco and, and a banana. And then I put coconut water in there and blend it all up. Sounds good. Yeah, it makes for a good little smoothie. <laughs> So, so let's talk about what's next. So, um, you're going to be going to RPI. Mm-hmm. I say Rensselaer, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Okay, so I, I looked that up. It's in Troy, New York. Troy, New York, big time D1 hockey program. So, yep. So, tell me about 
you know what you're going to be leaving soon i'd imagine right august 7th yeah i'm leaving a couple months so so how did you connect there so it's typical story for for a ushl players you get scouted heavily from from all the colleges but they contacted me and and uh i'd gone out for for a visit but um i think it was last year late august i went out and just kind of fell in love with the campus the coach the school the hockey program it just everything combined in one in that visit and i was mm-hmm. like not only am i going to be getting one of the best educations i can possibly get right because the school itself is it's just a top-end school yeah but i'm also going to be really really honing my skills and establishing a good base for a college career um as a hockey player they have a really storied program, and and it's been around forever. Their rank is classic barn, and you know I I'm really excited for the fall and for my four years at RPI because I've I've seen RPI's name come up, you know, in the discussion of hockey, mm-hmm. you know, some of the ho- the big time hockey programs. Yeah, um, and so I like prior to you coming, I looked it up on online. It's a, not that big of a school, like five six thousand students, right? Yeah, I think it's six thousand undergraduate, two thousand graduate. Okay, so it's a modest sized school, mm-hmm. um, but that means you're going to have a lot of really good relationships with your professors. Yeah, you're yeah. Gonna, you're gonna. It's not going to be like you're overwhelmed, like at, at a Ohio State or something. Yeah, you know, was, you know, picking RPI, it was. I I remember choosing RPI not only because of how beautiful the campus was and how you know just the talking to my parents and what my future was going to look like there, but it, it really reminded me of when I was at my prep school. I loved New Hampton. I I mean, I think if I could recreate that experience at a college level, RPI mimics it really well. Nice. Well, and it's, yeah, it's that whole New England vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? So, and then you're, well, you're playing in a barn, but it has four walls, right? Not two. Yeah, no, you call it, a, <laughs> you call any of the old hockey rinks a barn. Like a, cl- a classic rink is like a nice barn. Okay, you know? like I hear you. Well, it's like, what, what do they call it in basketball? Like Butler University is where they film Hoosiers. Oh, really? And, um, what do they call that? That's not, they don't use the term barn. The field house. Uh, yeah, that's the that's, other term. That's the name of our rink. The field house? The Houston field house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing. It's kind of like an old-fashioned term, but but I guess, the, yeah, the, the barn is a cool name for a, a classic. Barn, yeah. I like that. <laughs> no, it's um, a hockey term. So you were going to go to Arizona State. Yeah, I was committed there when I was 16, when I was playing for the Junior Ducks. And um, I decommitted there about a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half later, about two two and a half years later from committing, but a year and a half into my USHL career, and you know, I was originally thinking that this would be a, this is the most far west school, and my parents could come to all the games, you know, on the weekends. Um, it was a brand new Division One ice hockey program, but uh, I don't know, it just kind of, you know. The idea of it wasn't as big when I was 16 to where, you know, you know, I changed my mind. And, and any thought of changing your mind, you know, going somewhere else, it's like it's a big portion of your hockey career, four years NCAA yeah, hockey. Yeah. So you, you want to be at a, you know, a good place where you want to be and where they want you. And, uh, you know, RPI came to me and I just, you know, felt like I belonged more there. Well, when you're so, committing at the age of 16, you're still pretty young. 
Yeah. You probably don't know exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. You haven't had as much exposure to colleges. Yeah. You know, so, you know, like I'll use a basketball example. Your dad went to Mission Bay, you said, right? Mm-hmm. There's a basketball player that graduated from Mission Bay this year. His name's Boogie Ellis. He's this great ball player and he committed to Duke. Okay. Um, and you're thinking, wow, Duke, you know, for basketball. But then he decommitted and I went to Memphis. Is that guy? I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. But I guess the point I'm making is it's not uncommon to decommit. No, not at all. And there's usually there's situations and changes of mind different. You learn more about what you committed to and maybe something might be a better fit. Just based on my junior career and the teams I played on, like 50%, maybe a little bit less than 50%, but around 50% of the kids I played with ended up not going to the schools that they originally committed to. Yeah, yeah. And being in the USHL means you're a pretty good hockey player. So so whether you commit when you're in the USHL or whether you commit you know, before, for me it was before and for a lot of kids it is before, um, means you are committing at a young age. So, right. I mean, I had kids that were on my team that were committed to Michigan State that went to Michigan, you know, like the rivals. Yeah, yeah that's Kids like, that were committed to Ohio yeah. State that went to Wisconsin. You know, it's it's not uncommon, you know. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely a common thing in, in all sports. So, But good for the kid that was going to Duke to tr- switch to Memphis. I'm thinking. Yeah. And Memphis is a great program, too. I mean, but, yeah. but usually you think of Duke as kind of like at yeah. the top of the food you know, chain. I, I saw that last year when when they had that Zion guy and RJ and and that I think it was like the top three kids from their high school class all went to Duke and I'm just thinking to myself you know I never would want to go if I was number two I would never go to the place that number one was going I'd go to like their rival school yeah. so I could be number one right next. yes I didn't it yeah. didn't make sense to me you know uh-huh. but. You know, top end schools. A lot of good kids will go there and have to compete with other good kids when they could just go to the opposite school or a smaller school yeah. like I'm doing and just just really establish their game and their play. And you know, a lot of a lot of time it ends up working out for the player. I mean, you see the guy that's getting s- drafted second overall this year. Uh, what's his name? Ja Morant. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knew who that guy was and. He's at a small school, and he seems to be doing fine. So, so th- this is exciting for you because now you're gonna you're gonna go and play D one collegiate hockey in a high end program in New England, playing against the other top schools. I mean, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself into a position where you know being drafted in the NHL is a real possibility. So the way the NHL draft works is they don't really they draft you out of junior hockey, so it's eighteen to like. 20 or 21 so for me the draft is almost out of the book for the for the nhl draft but but the majority of college players that sign and are in the nhl are free agents ah okay because there is a rule where if you get drafted you have like three years to sign so i remember there was a guy that was drafted to uh nashville and it came to the day that he needed to sign the papers and he pulled out and opted for free agency and signed for New York Rangers instead. And it's not uncommon for people to do that. So the way the draft works for NHL players is, you know, a lot of the first rounders usually stay located in their team and a lot of the kids actually stay located. But free agency, man, for the college players, it ends up working out a lot better, I think. Well, first of all, you got your degree. Yeah. So you got that. 
And then with its free agency, you have more choice on where you can go. Yeah. You know, if you get drafted, you're just you're stuck with that team. Yeah. But a free agency is just like getting a regular job, right? It's like you want to work there. They want to hire you, mm-hmm. you know, and so you got to find the right fit. Believe me, the draft was a goal of mine. It, you know, didn't didn't work out the way I wanted, but it's all right. It's still going to work out. Oh, yeah. You, you got a great future in front of you. Yeah, I uh I'm very excited for for what college is going to be like and and what the future is going to be like uh, with aspirations to play in the NHL. So let's talk about NHL. The Stanley Cup playoffs are going right now. Yeah. So what do you think? What's your take? My take is— You you can give me the the halftime report like you did at the soccer game. Oh, man. (laughs) Just tell me your your opinion. What do you think about the finals? These finals have been amazing. Um, Only one game has been a blowout. That was game three. The other, the other three games were unbelievable, and that's just the finals. We flash back all the way to the first round. You know, we had the best team in the NHL. He, uh, they won like the President's Trophy, the Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning. They got swept first round, and you know that's it. No hopes of the Stanley Cup for them. So they were first round so they probably played a low seed and they yeah. got wow that's a, yeah. big, a big upset a huge upset and uh, you know you had teams like Washington who were the ex uh, champions get knocked out you had Pittsburgh Penguins who've got Crosby get knocked out you just had San Jose who was a really favorite team get knocked out um, the only team that's kind of proven their worth from from what they're regular season looked like is the Bruins and they're in the finals right now against the Blues but the Blues they've uh they were dead last in the league like late November dead last wow and then they had a coaching change and the coach came in and now they're in the Stanley Cup finals so to be honest as much as I got friends in New England that Boston area like I'm pulling for the Blues, man. Like they're the underdogs here. They got a really good team. They got a rookie goaltender. You know, one of my favorite players. One of the players I like watching. Um, Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. He's on that team. No relation, by the way. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. I mean, you never know. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's a Canadian guy. Big centerman. Really, really good faceoff guy. He scored and got an assist the other night, and just. He's a good player. So, well, you know, last weekend I was out with one of my buddies up in San Francisco, and we were at we were out just having a beer, and there was the the, the NHL game was on. Yeah, and he was telling me because he saw Boston in the finals. He says, "Thank God the Celtics d- d- um, aren't in the NBA finals because <laughs> if they did, and if Boston wins the NHL, I mean, Boston would have won baseball, football, basketball, hockey." You know, the, all the big four. And he says, we never hear the end of it no. fr- from the people from never. Boston. Never. <laughs> no. It says, uh, I mean, New England, man, they got some great sports teams and yeah. they love their sports up there. So it says a lot about about that. But, uh, yeah, no, you'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's interesting, though, with the St. Louis, the fact that they changed their coach. And a lot of times people say, yeah, fire the coach. We need to get rid of the coach. And sometimes you think, well, the coach isn't on the ice. The coach isn't making the plays. Yeah. And it's sometimes teams will change a coach and nothing changes. But then sometimes a team will change a coach and everything changes. Yeah. And it seems like that's what happened in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really done too much coaching, but I have played under a lot of coaches but I mean 
a lot of it is revolved around how you are as a player and how the leadership is on the team. Mm-hmm. And there, there is that, that one time or those few times where a coach does come in, like middle of the season, because he, the St. Louis guy came in middle of the season, you know, it wasn't as, it wasn't like he got fired last year, the coach, and a new coach came in for the entire season. So I think it's pretty cool how he came in and just yeah. changed the whole thing. I, that says a lot about him, to it's be huge. honest. Because they've got to be able to change the whole culture, like in the locker room, yeah, you know, and get players to believe and uh, and to eliminate some of the negative energy, yeah. And it takes a very special leader to do that. Oh yeah, no, there's a lot of good coaches out there, and I think he's definitely one of them. Right on, that's good. So um, wow, this is just a great time of the year, you know. It's because uh, it's, it's interesting how the NHL season and the NBA season are roughly parallel right yeah you know so both finals are going on they both start roughly around the same time of year so this is a this is a good time no oh, man i mean everybody says it though there's there's nothing like playoff hockey That's, like yeah you, you watch the, any game even the first round and just the fact that there was so many upsets this year it's it's made the playoffs this year been a little bit special than some of the playoffs i've watched in the past and you know Jeez, it's it's just so much fun watching these games and seeing. Do you know who how Jim Rome be. is? No, Jim Rome is a big time uh, uh, sports talk show host. Okay, and he got his start here in San Diego. He's national, and he often says the same thing as you did. There is nothing that compares to the intensity and energy of playoff hockey. Nothing. No. And, and it's at a different level than all the other sports. And he also interviews a lot of athletes across all sorts of sports. And he always says interviews with hockey players are just the best because they're just so real. Yeah. You know? And they're very easy to relate to, you know, and they're just quality guys. Yeah. You know? yeah there's so, a lot of good hockey guys out yeah. there. So just a lot like you, man. So this is good, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, this is a special time of the year. No question. Um, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the Bay Area, and this is before the Sharks. Mm-hmm. And we used to have the San Francisco Seals. Okay. And, and they, I think they were NHL for a while. And I, think, that, I don't remember the name of the league they were in. It might have been NHL, but yeah, I, rem- I know the team you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, but I'm, I'm happy that, you know, San Jose's got a team and, and uh you know, like my, I was talking to my friend in San Francisco. He has a uh, um, in his in his San Jose office. There's one worker who just is in love with the Sharks. Really, and you go into her cubicle in her office, and it's lined with posters and calendars and bobbleheads, and it's just <laughs> everything Sharks. You know, yeah. And I, I love that when people just get so fired up for their team. It's good, especially when you're getting pumped up for like the West Coast teams. Because I'm a I'm a huge huge advocate for West Coast hockey. Like oh, born and raised here, and you don't get respect. Like it's mostly you think of East Coast, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I just I like to see the Sandy or you know the the Goals had a great season. Yeah, you know the Sharks had a great season. The Kings have won cups. The Ducks have won cups. It, it's good that hockey's getting big here in the West yeah. Coast. And yeah. there's going to be a surge. There's going to be a lot of really good players that come out of Southern California and even Northern California here in the future just based on how they've, you know, had the hockey teams here and they're kind of established now. Yeah. 
That makes a big difference having those big time programs out here because then kids like yourself, you can go to the arena when you're five years old. That's right. And you just become mesmerized with the whole thing. Instead of a cubicle, it's like your room now, you know? Oh, oh, yeah. Your room lined with posters and all that. That was probably you, right? Oh, yeah. I I had so many. Oh, I still have so much hockey stuff. Who were some of your hockey heroes growing up? I, I, I. you know, I love Wayne Gretzky. I used to always watch the Ultimate Gretzky videos and all his highlights. Um, but some of the goals players, you know, I remember one guy named Billy Tibbetts. He uh, he was like a big brute. He had some time in the NHL and was playing for the goals. But you know, I ended up actually meeting a couple of goals players that said he <laughs> he was in jail for a couple of years. And I was like, Whoa. oh, man, that guy was my favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was funny. I'm yeah. sure he's a good guy. Yeah, I know. Um, um, but yeah, Wayne Gretzky was a big one. I I watch a lot of the current players. You know, even though I'm getting of age now, where where I, I want to be rivaling those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and if you're playing in the NHL, you're going to be suiting up against those guys. But I still look up to the likes of like Crosby, mm-hmm. um, Ovechkin, Stamkos. Like, like like I said, O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'd, I'd say by far my favorite player would be Gretzky. So Gretzky was always number 99, right? That's right, yeah. So do you have a number that you've embraced? My, my favorite number is 19, but the way the teams work now is, you know, you, you, it's hard to get the number you had when you were a youth player. So I've had 19 and then switched to 91, which is just 19 backwards. (laughs) Prep school, I had 12. USHL career, I had 12 and 9. And then now my college season's coming up. I got 16, and that's the birthday of my sister and myself. It's okay, so you can find some special meaning. Oh, yeah, 16's a special number. uh, But you know, know, 19's a special number for Poway. Do you know that? Yeah, Gwen, right? Tony Gwen. Yeah, right. so there's all these connections. You oh, can, yeah, believe I, me. I love talking about numbers in sports because mm-hmm. you, it's the number that the player wears is a big part of how you remember that player. Yeah. And then you'll always have little connections, you know, of how you relate that number and how you connect to it. Yeah. And so I just think it's special. And what is it? Now, isn't uh, Crosby, isn't he 66? No, he's 87. Lemieux was 66. That's the one. That was the previous Penguins stud and one of the best players ever. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Crosby's 87. But for me, yeah, I, you know, I hope in in the NHL or in pro hockey, I can get 19 and create a brand for for myself through through that number, you know, like Tony Gwynn did and... That's that, that would be pretty cool for yeah, Poway and for San Diego. Yeah. But, I mean, even if it's 16, 16 is a special number for, for, for myself and my, my sister, you know. Right on. So. That's cool. Well, man, this has been a great conversation. I, I mean, it, you know, what we try to do here on this podcast, you know, I tell you it's about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And that's what you're doing. You're yeah. living your life. You're pursuing your happiness. I think that's fantastic. But the other thing that we like to do is we like to interview, you know, interesting people, especially people from the Poway community. You know, we've interviewed, um, you know, political candidates on this podcast. We've interviewed business people. We've interviewed coaches and we've interviewed athletes. So we just love having it. We just love this conversation. And it's just been really great. 
Yeah, I'm really happy you had me on. You know, Poway is a great place, and being born here, you know, right in Pomerado Hospital. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Born and raised. Born and raised, man. And getting the opportunity to go K-8 through at St. Michael's and, you know, all the respect I've earned there and all the the good treatment they gave me at Poway High School and how they've supported me and how the community supported me with, yeah. you know, certain news articles and all that. It's, it's, it's good. And, you know, I love this city and, you know, I'll be here till the day I die, hopefully. <laughs> you, well, I your mean, roots will always be here. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and then when you're playing in, you know, New York for the Rangers or wherever you happen to land in your future. Yeah. Um, your roots in your home will always be here in Poway. Most definitely. Yeah. So, Rory... Thank you for joining us, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and best of luck to you in your future. Thank you. All right. <music>